Hello and welcome to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski and thank you for joining me. On this episode, we have Tyler Smith, the head honcho over at Lumi Gummies and the one behind the Endless Paint Club. He not only talks about his journey through the paintball world, but also his journey into entrepreneurship and starting a company and how everything came about. It was a very interesting story, and uh, I'm glad we were able to sit down and chat about it. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Our sponsors for this podcast, h2kpaintball.com. You can find all of our new products up there. We have all kinds of merch. We also have V2 Tank Tool coming out very soon at the beginning of the year. We also have the Fenrir, Fenrir H2K uh LV2 that is up. You get all kinds of goodies with that. We still have a few available. Make sure you check those out. Uh, but we are running low on the tank tools because we have V2 coming out. So make sure you keep the eyeballs open. We are also brought to you by EndlessPaintClub.com. Tyler does a way better job explaining everything that has to do with Lumi and Endless Paint Club. In this episode, uh, I do my best, but it's it's great. They're giving back to the paintball community. It's going to be uh, a they're pretty much giving two hundred dollars in store credit to the next three hundred players, paintball players who sign up with uh, with good information on their website, endlesspaintclub.com. You will get two hundred dollars a month for the next six months, and they're just they want to give back. They want to they want to let players try their product out, give reviews, say it's good, say it's bad, up to them, doesn't matter. Let's let's move some or uh, some reviews around and see what you think. I truly enjoy their product. I use the microdose all the time. It is uh it's one of my go-tos whenever I want to relax, when I want to be creative, when I want to uh, sleep better. I, it's kind of an all-rounder for me. If you are interested at all, check it out, endlesspaintclub.com and sign up and apply. Anyway, thank you, sponsors. And back to the episode with Tyler Smith. Enjoy. No, no, no. Sometimes uh, you know how like it'll follow you around and like zoom in. Oh. I don't know if you've seen that on the new Apple. It will do weird stuff like that. I haven't yet. Is it? Is it just through like yeah. the the photo? Like if there's booth two thing? people and one. If there's like two people, yeah, it's just through the normal uh, camera. Mm-hmm. But if there's like two people or whatever, if one starts talking, it can like zoom in on you. Or if one goes out of the screen, it'll like turn a little bit towards the person. That so sometimes out, it's kind of weird. It creeps yeah. me out, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, even something because I was, uh, I took some photos yesterday for um, Thanksgiving, or not? Wasn't yesterday, but the day before for Thanksgiving, and just for some family photos and stuff. And I was editing them in Lightroom, and even just all the stuff that they've added to that, like AI based, with like blur and adding things and taking things out. It's like. I don't know. It just creeps me out the things that they can do and the 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 how much the line has blurred 
between reality and uh, online internet digital stuff. It's it's just like there's one uh, Instagram, uh, the Instagram thing that I follow, this profile that I follow, uh-huh. where it's all AI stuff. It's all AI um, animate. Not animated, but they're all pictures. But the lighting, the textures, everything looks like it was 1960s New York. <clears throat> and yeah. it, it's so creepy, dude. It's so creepy. He yeah. has, in the description of the photo, he has to put that this is not real because it's so realistic. <laughs> yeah, it's when they say, you know, we're living in a simulation, it's... uh I believe it more and more. Like as I try to relate to it, try to understand it, I'm like, we're for sure living in a simulation. Um, See, I have a tough I have a tough thing with the simulation theory because although I haven't researched it fully to understand it from top to bottom, but for me to think because I think about it as like as a computer. Unless the unless the the theory uh, the simulation theory is that like something created us and we are just doing a pre-programmed thing that is simulated. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. guess that you can look at it at as like a religious thing, but I look at it as like all the animals, all that stuff I don't think is, is pre-recorded or, or set yeah. in place in a certain way. I mean, I think it's all because of be, just because we have the conscience consciousness to believe that it could be a simulation theory, yeah. I think throws caution to the wind because it's like just because we are enlightened doesn't mean that everything is pre-programmed because we think it is or because we think, therefore, we are. Yeah. Kind of well, the, no, that's a good. That's a good point. I, uh, you know, I think I first heard about it like I don't know three or four years ago. Elon said it, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then it started <laughs> to like marinate a bunch, and then you know, I listened to his book, which didn't talk about it really at all. But recently, he had like a Lex Friedman episode, and there's like oh, a that, that talks yet. about it, and he's like, uh, he's like, well, we're living in a simulation, but it doesn't mean that everything's pre-planned. Like the reason that you do a simulation is because you don't know what's going to happen. Just like whenever you do like a simulation for like a flight. Or, you know, like for in their case, like rockets, like the reason that you do a simulation is because you don't know what's going to happen. So if like our actions or the act of like whatever made us mm-hmm. just didn't know what was going to happen. So they wanted to see what was going to happen. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah, it's almost like what technology get, is in general. Much. It's like you, you yeah. make it and you're like, well, this is what we think it's going to be and what's going to. But then it evolves to five, ten years down the line and something completely different than what it was when it first yeah. was introduced. Yeah, I don't spend much bandwidth on that sort of stuff because it's just like, what do I do with it? Um, besides just like, whoa, <laughs> you know? Besides sink but, into uh, yourself with it. Yeah, but when you think about like the whole, what is it, Fermi's paradox or whatever it's called, or they're, um, just like how old the earth is and mm-hmm. then the, like how small of a window like humans have been alive. Yeah. You know, it just makes you think that there's definitely a lot more out there than meets the eye. And oh, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Part of the cool thing about psychedelics, you're like, it's real. I can't exactly say what it is, but there's other stuff. Yeah, so. I've been speaking of um, the yeah, psychedelics. I've been, I, I've heard so many people taking microdose mushrooms now, and just mm-hmm. like kind of having that. Like, it's not like you're grounded, but you're obviously not like super high. You're almost like floating. You're kind of just like yeah, you know, floating it's like smoother. Through. 
Exactly. Smoother. Yeah, it's like a Sunday afternoon is the way. Like if you take a light dose, people think like, oh, am I going to trip? Or, you know, or in some cases even worse, am I going to feel absolutely nothing? You know, Mm -hmm. when you find that little sweet spot of like, okay, wow, (laughs) me as an adult with things to do, like this feels good, but also like really like smooth, you know, and then you're just like further trying to articulate an experience, what it is you're experiencing. And uh, yeah, it's quite beautiful. It's really just like, wow, (laughs) you know, Uh, and, you know, once you kind of see and experience that you, you tend to want to experience it more. And that's one of the things that isn't commonly known is that the classic psychedelics are they're really limiting on how you can abuse them like if you wanted to abuse lsd or mushrooms or something they're going to like sit you down (laughs) and make you first off think about how much you're taking and what you're doing and then second off um you know they're if you were to take like a a medium or higher dose you it has this self-limiting factor where for a couple of weeks is where your tolerance resets Right. So, you know, if you take a dose, you try to take one three days later, you're going to feel minimal effects. Now, if you're doing light dosing or micro dosing, you can do it multiple times a week and you're going to feel those very subtle effects. But once you get into the medium or higher dose realm, you can't really just stay at that state, you know, <laughs> as cool as that may sound. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't. But I think it's like anything, right? You have to regulate yourself. You have to be at least self-aware enough to and I, I mean i really it all depends on what you're in it for right i think a lot of what today's users are doing um and i'm just saying this f- as an avid um lumi labs microdose user you know marijuana user all that stuff and i don't drink alcohol or anything like that anymore so um i think a lot of what the basis is now is for the experience um rather than the like the super out of control high you know what i mean like i feel like maybe back then it was more to like get away and to do all that you know just to rebel more or less but i think now because it's so it's so much more accepted and it's so more it's so much more kind of focused in on um the self so i think people approaching it is it's it's just a different mindset i feel like now than it was maybe when it was so cliche back then or not cliche, yeah. but um, well, when you uh, say taboo, when you say out of control, that makes me think of like the '60s and you know, like the propaganda and people doing crazy stuff. Yeah. A lot of that was related to dosing. You know, somebody with their yeah. new dose today. It, you know, if you were if you were back in the '60s and you're thinking responsibly, you know, not for the cause of like let's like really shake up everybody's minds. Mm-hmm. You know, just like hey, let's get people interested in this. You would start people around 100 to 200 mics. Back yeah. then, I think the average, you know, tab or dose was, you know, three times that. So, Not regulated. So at you're all. just like, so, oh, I'm yeah. really, you know, there's, there's no like, you know, pregame, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like you see people doing wild stuff and like radically being like, wow, there's a whole new world out there. Yeah. And, you know, you see your friend do it. You, you'd think like, okay, maybe I'm going to take half of this, but I don't know what's going on in people's heads back then. I think they were just like, it's working. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Well, and I can understand from the other's perspective where you see somebody who is completely tripping balls and you're stone cold sober and you're going to go, that guy's completely on drugs. He's insane. Like what is going on? You know what I mean? But well, it's like, you know but, what, what I think I'm like, man, that dude is surrendered. He, you know? is, he has <laughs> given up surrender. the reins. He gave it, he, he let go all the way. Yeah. And to me, it's impressive. I mean, you can see a homeless person in the street 
tripping out and be like, you know, they could tell you like, oh, try it out. You should try it. And you're like, I, I don't know what to think. Not now. yours. And then you hear stories <laughs> of, you know, um, you know, Timothy, uh, Timothy Leary or, um, you know, or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. And, you know, there, there's examples all up and down the spectrum. And, you know, it, it really does take that's what we're trying to do with microdose, too, is give people a sense of agency. You know, they they have a tool that helps them dose appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the new version that's coming out is like a personalized dosing system. But this same concept, you know, translates to all sorts of substances. You know, if you understand the substance you're taking, the dose, you have an intention and you match that all with set and setting, you know, those are the that's those are the prerequisites for being a psychonaut. You need those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if somebody has a positive first experience with THC, you know, say it's your mom or something or your uncle, you know, they have knee pain, they can't sleep and they're like faced with prescriptions and then they're worried about the stigma because their generation and so forth. And and then they have that first experience and they're like, wow, you know, this THC isn't bad as long as I'm not like overdoing it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, who knows, maybe their knee pain goes away and they stop using after a few months or couple years whatever the case may be but what's what's really motivating to us is that later in life them or a loved one may have a real tragic experience something that needs something stronger than thc or could benefit from something stronger and that's where we'd like people to we'd like to think that people would be more open to considering psychedelic assisted psychotherapy mm-hmm. you know when that time comes you know but if they never had a positive first experience with a psychoactive substance they're far less likely to want to be on that side of the table. So it's cool to think that while people today are just getting their toes wet with THC, um, that later on, you know, they could be, you know, taking mushrooms or, or LSD or ayahuasca, whatever you have. So, yeah. 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 I, I think the same thing is said, you know, about um, call it, you know, say tobacco, alcohol, anything else that's legal and regulated. If, if you have a shitty first experience, you usually you know, kind of steer away from it for a little bit until maybe you're mature or whatever it is. But it's like with, um, but something about something about like dosing THC for me, uh, it has always been like, I've always been attracted to it because of the, the, the lack of side effects, like how you have with mm-hmm. alcohol and everything, the lack of side effects. And also the, I feel like when I am like, obviously I'm not fully into whatever is happening because you're kind of floating, you're high, right? But I feel like the, how you experience life is so much different. Um, even just the the microdose, which thank you, by the way, for uh, for those. Oh, yeah. I highly, it's highly good. recommend them. Um, I just take I just take one of them if I'm, if I'm doing something or I kind of want to like feel a little bit or enjoy the experience, maybe uh, not more, but maybe in a little bit different perspective or something like that. Like I'll, I'll take one and just, and just one because I'm such a lightweight, just does enough for me to be able to, I just, I catch myself like laughing more, like smiling more, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, and I, but not as since, high as you normally yeah, would. I'm, I'm functioning. Yeah. I'm functioning. Yeah. I can still do things. Um, whereas before, even like early on, uh, gummies when I was when I started experiencing with those those are even still kind of iffy when I was like portioning them up and I would still tell mm-hmm. I'm like man this feels like y- you don't really know and I think that's the great thing about like Ohio excuse me Ohio just passed um, legal recreation and growing and stuff of, of THC and what's nice is the at least what I'm hoping is going to come is the education side of 
of THC and with gummies and edibles and all that stuff because there's there's such a stigma around everything. And I, I love what you guys have done with it, with uh, not only what with what you're doing with the Endless Paint Club, but also with like your website. All the the information in general is such a great resource for people who have um, any kind of hesitation to want to maybe dive into this thing. Um, so I well, whoever's listening, I highly recommend. Uh, gathering as much information into something that you can before going headfirst, you know, into anything. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. And from my perspective, it's like, I, I really worked hard over the years and not talk too much about what I have yet to do uh, because it's such a loaded topic. You know, I could talk mm -hmm. to any one person on my team for days around just what they do. Um, but in general, we're really excited about the, the rebranding and relaunch of microdose because it's is focused a lot more around the education personalized dosing system articulating what we're referring to as the three levels of dosing there's the vitamin level where you don't feel anything it's just supporting your endocannabinoid system which is like the operating system of your body you're not really feeling anything and then you have your your light dose which is like the smoother you know take the edge off you don't feel high but you're just like i don't really feel bad like today's mm -hmm. actually been good <laughs> yeah. and uh and then you have your your get high dose and to add like a little bit more to that beyond being high is where we'd like to articulate the fourth level if you will which is more like being stoned mm -hmm. you know being high is like a bit more uplifting kind of energetic positive you know you still have the the thc there's your your mellow your body's kind of mellow in a sense but when you get stoned, I mean, that's that's when you're just like, you know, watching a movie and melting into the sleep. couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so really just trying to add some definitions, you know, to like microdose is, you know, a subperceptual dose, um, a very low dose, you know. Um, but microdosing doesn't necessarily have to be just taking a microdose. It could be microdosing to incrementally dose to find the perfect dose for you for whatever your intention may be. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we have been working on a lot over the past year and a half behind the scenes. So the new website, when it launches kind of like Q1 next year, you're going to see a lot more like really thought out content, like just, you know, short blogs, guides, um, some video content, testimonials from customers, just like really trying to connect with what we consider our three pillars is health performance and creativity <clears throat> so you know for us it does feel like a huge mission right now you go to our site you see a plastic bottle and a simple landing page and it, you know there's no real photography like i've told you i think i've told you that some of the photographers that we're working with are just you know we search some of the best in the world and we're really just trying to focus on a stable of unicorns mm -hmm. on this mission and like a bunch of unicorns going on the space mission <laughs> you know at least in the <laughs> minds of people um that's what we like to think about around here so yeah i can't i can't wait for it um like i said i've really been enjoying the products i've been telling everybody about it i've i've taken it to um tournaments with me and had guys uh guys use it at tournaments from the newbies who i'm playing for and oh, yeah. um and they love it i mean that and then and some of those guys oh, nice. yeah some of those guys <laughs> we're smoke. all shooting each other you guys that's cool dude they well i don't i didn't take it when i played it was like when i was no no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah i i i like it when uh when i'm walking especially now like when i'm taking photos and stuff around the events to take it yeah. before i go and do that because it really gives yeah. me this sense like not that i feel like i wouldn't be able to find those perspectives but it's just like I, it, I can't explain it any more than just it just like, brings it to the forefront. Yeah. And I'm just enjoying the yeah. moment more. And I'm like, I'm just kind of like, I'm more susceptible to finding 
that perspective in yeah. a in a you know a little bit quicker or is it, just there's a couple of perspectives you're making me think about there's there's both ends of the spectrum of like why do i need it it's well like it's a tool that lots of smart people and granted some people that are maybe less having their stuff together you know but what's the alternative to having your stuff less together if you're you know quote unquote a stoner or something mm-hmm. is it alcohol is it prescriptions is it depression you know what is it everybody has you know, that crunch. there's a lot of like casting and like projecting on the people and like just by the way they look you know, i used to look <laughs> very much like a hippie stoner <laughs> and if anybody remembers that uh it's it's a funny you know uh mental process to think about you know where where some of us have come from um but the anyways there's that side of like why do i need this thing well it's a tool it could be used to kind of like change, you know, shift your perspective or the lens on your reality, if you will, or the frame in which you approach things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other end of the spectrum is where people are like, oh, I could eat a thousand milligrams or, you know, <laughs> you know, <they're> like <laughs> I dab all day. You know, yeah, right. it's funny how the cross tolerance works. Some people can dab, but then can't take any edibles. And then mm. some people can take dabs and, you know, really high potency smoking, vaping. And for those that don't know, and then, um, and then they can also just eat a bunch of edibles. The, yeah. the thing is, is that if you're really in control of your dose, which is hard to do in vaping or smoking because the act of vaping or smoking itself is so like a pacifier, like an adult pacifier. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just so you, it kind of gets a great way you put you're it. Getting, <laughs> you're not getting like high anymore. You're not getting that like, oh, when I used to smoke, you know, I used to feel like this. Now I just kind of feel like normal. It's almost and like a dopamine dump like, like now. Yeah, where it's just exactly tr- wanting to get that. And, and so to, um, yeah, so it's like if with edibles, I found that I used to not like edibles. I went to the hospital once, like then all sorts of drugs. The only one I went to the hospital on was, was an old lady gave me a cookie. <laughs> and like I was, I had a high tolerance that time of life, but she had a much higher one. Oh my um, God. That's yeah, funny that an old lady gave life. you a cookie that sent you to the hospital. Yeah. And at that point I was like, I was probably the heaviest use I've ever had and like, and then, man, I was just laid out on the floor. My brother put me on his shoulder. It's like so, something else is wrong with me. It's not the weed. Of course it's not, you know, but take me to the hospital. He wheelchairs me in. Doctor looks at me. They didn't even ask for my ID. They said, get out of here. You know, the quickest <laughs> ER visit I ever had. Um, hey, you know, I hate that I'm one of those statistics, but it really hey. happened. So for years, I didn't take any edibles. So I get that side of it. But now that I've got older and I've found that I like the steady high of edibles better and the ability to manage my dose, you know, if I'm eating, you know, one and a half gummies every night, it, I found that I can do that for a couple of years straight, anywhere between one and a half to two and a half. I don't have to go over that, uh, you know, for me. And I don't know if it's because my workout routine, my body fat, or because I fast, but I've been able to keep very consistent high. And a lot of us, you know, in our company have been able to do that. And it's just about not chasing that next high like mm-hmm. you know oh tonight the two and a half gummies isn't working the same it's not like you should take more and keep chasing that it's like maybe you haven't slept as good maybe you didn't work as good today maybe maybe there's a lot of other things before and after the substance that just aren't helping you feel the way you want to feel mm-hmm. and so that's a lot of like our a lot of brands want to say we have this magic pill this gummy's going to make you chill this one's going to make you sleep this one you know it's like that really disregards a lot of the pre-game and post-game work that's required to to really perform, you know, with a substance or without a substance. So it's just like a yeah. paintball, you know, if you're not putting in the work, you're like, you get out on that field, your energy's not coming off the same. 
you know, if you really are like warrior mindset before you get on the field, when you get there, like it shows and you feel it inside. And that those like internal feelings is a lot of, you know, what what I've been trying to focus on more this year now that this is my first year, you know, having a team and so forth. Like it's like a whole new like, you know, level of dimension for me. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. So when you were talking about uh, gummies, were you talking about your your full dose uh, gummies that you have? Or are you talking about the micro? Oh, by two, yeah, by two and a half uh, gummies uh, to put that in terms of milligrams. Like for me, a consistent get high dose for me at night is like 12 milligrams. So I, w I swear you would have. I mean, not that I was uh, thinking. Well, I guess I did think it was going to be more. Uh, 12 seems because for me, like the three gets me pretty good as far as the micro dose yeah. uh, ones. But um well, that's yeah. like nine milligrams of THC. The singles are? If you the microdose has three milligrams of THC in it, the current form, the new form is going to have little one milligram tiny gummies. So you could just like oh. really, they're just tiny little like smaller than a Skittle size, you know, like right around a Skittle size. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, there'll be like six flavors and sustainable packaging and all this stuff. It's it's exciting. But basically, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about 12 milligrams of THC. Okay. And then if you're taking three of the current microdose gummies one. that's three times three. Oh, you're taking one so that's three I'm just milligrams taking one. yeah yeah so that's i'm just i'm just taking two, one and that's like it's it's, it's oh perfect. yeah yeah if i'm trying to find like the uh if i'm trying to take a light dose yeah like around for me like four or five milligrams but if i'm trying to like you know uh really chill out at nighttime or it just depends like i'll go through stretches where a couple years i won't do anything for a few months i'll just take them at night mm -hmm. um but i think my longest stretch with consistent nightly dosing has been about been about a year year and a half um so it's yeah it's just been an ongoing experiment with myself you know taking breaks and then getting back on and yeah uh to me i think that's a healthy relationship with a substance that doesn't have really you know the negative side effects you know if i were on and off with heroin or something it'd be pretty bad story, it doesn't yeah. matter how balanced you are it's still bad. yeah um so. see that was going to be um another thing i was going to go into because you know i i take them for reasons of like perspective of lightness of like i kind of approach it in that way and i'm always curious um not only just with other users but also like people like yourself who who run companies and especially companies um in this platform um I mean, do you mostly take them for sleep or do you also take it for a creative side or do you take it for a perspective side? There there was when our team was much smaller, um, not that we can't do the same thing now, but there was a point where me and one of the core guys around three o'clock at the end of the day would be like creative boost time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we could take our gummies and uh, we would, you know, it's funny because, you know, instead of like, as we've matured, you know, we try to respect the normal business hours and, you know, people's on and off time. And so usually around, you know, five, four thirty, six o'clock, somewhere in that range, we're just like, all right, it's kind of, you know, end of the daytime. Mm -hmm. But if there's a gummy, you know, we can find ourselves completely immersed in whatever we're doing. And, you know, it'd be like seven o'clock and we're still just like vibing out. We're like, wait, I should probably like get out of this, like this enjoying this rabbit hole. Not like mm -hmm. I'm stressed out working, but. I don't know there's that that was a funny period um and and it worked for that um it, it depends like if you're ever having a, a day where you feel like there's some blockage or something or if i've ever run into that you know i will definitely take a light dose just to kind of shift perspective i mean i think it's comparable to just going on a walk or sitting in the sun but 
substantially stronger or will boost those other things. Mm -hmm. You know, if I need to go on a, just a quick kind of like shake up my body, you know, just like vibrate my body or whatever, it's kind of like walk around or engage with somebody else. Like it, it is a little boost. So it's like maybe not a creative boost, but it kind of, you know, supplements, you know, um, whatever else you may be doing to, to get in that same mode. So I don't depend upon it as like the only tool, like take it and wait for, to get creative, right. like, mm -hmm. you know, but it's a nice little combo. Um, the psychedelics is, is really where, you know, we find things most interesting. And, and when I say psychedelics, I, I kind of am grouping in MDMA and MDA, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of really against the the rave aspect of those substances, but mm -hmm. at a very light dose with some mushrooms, um, with a very light dose of mushrooms, it's it's quite interesting. Like in a living room setting with close friends, you know the way that you can open up. So a lot of when we're working hard on things within a company, and it's a you know for perspective, it's not just a small business. This isn't just a traditional business. It's a high growth venture scale startup. And we're bootstrapped and like our mission is, you know, like our goals are in the, you know, one to 500 million a year is what we believe our company deserves. And it's, it's obnoxious for most people. It's, it's just throwing out big numbers, you know, um, but those are good numbers though. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, yeah. It's a lot of numbers, but, uh, it's taken me years and years to try to process all of that. But, um, the point is, is that when we're working on things that are that hard and there's a lot of subject subjective things in the branding realm or you know prioritizing things it, it gets very hard and no matter how strong our personal relationships are um that there is nothing like coming together and bonding around psychedelics or some mdma and you know nice living room setting it's it's great for you know uh team dynamics whether that's you know sports team or um you know the work team or family team what have you but um using those tools are where we found uh they move the needle, you know, mm -hmm. uh, they move the needle on the fun side, on the work side, the, the mind melding, heart melding side. Um, and you know, the, it's, uh, what, what we found is that as we've got older, we do them less, you know, I just had my third kid, um, Congratulations. you know, and then it, Josh Hallberg <laughs> also just had, he had his first kid. Um, and, uh, it, uh, you know, as you got kids and you got more things going on, time is, you know, uh, seemingly more valuable as you get older, right? So just making the time to do the drugs is, is this weird, like, sort of circle. where <laughs> Saying we have it out this, loud makes know, it makes it sound. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, drugs, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's kind of like uh, towing the line of where the stigma's at. Like, oh, you said mm -hmm. drugs. Yeah, and I'm saying right. do more. Yeah, and it's, right, it's yeah. for a certain type who's like matured. Um, if you're the type of person who resonates with seeing something that was more, one time we were hanging out, we were like, we really got to, why do we stop doing this as often as we used to? And I was like, we need a chant between ourselves, drugs more. You know, it's like, it's uh, when you're so mature that you've done drugs and you understand the tools that like the benefits they could have, but you just can't get yourself to do them, to do the hard work of having a psychedelic experience, making that time, you know, surrendering to the substance, putting a lot of intention into it, you know, going outside of yourself and back into yourself. Like doing that is a lot of hard work. And that's why most people be like, oh, I took acid before, but or I took mushrooms a few times, you know, and it, they just don't have really the depth of stories because they didn't, they didn't 
you know, they probably just did it for fun or with their friends. It's, it's different than hosting your friends or guiding someone or really going deep. For me, when I got out of special ops, um, you know, I saw what, that's why the whole company got founded basically is that, uh, you know, I saw severe cases of PTSD far worse than mine. And, you know, I've just seen like the crazy look in your eyes, you know, and uh, women and children, wartime stuff. And, you know, when you go from, you know, this dude can kill somebody or this dude is, you know, questionable um, with his like mental stability. And they go from that state of like this alpha male, you know, sort of environment and world to this like totally masculine, feminine, balanced human being that will bring you flowers as a grown man, rub your back, feed you chocolate, and just like be super present with you. Like seeing that radical transformation and the, like the common denominator there is hard work re with psychedelics. You know, it, you just can't do nothing. You just can't do anything but to, to like just constantly be reminded of like how many people need to understand that. And it, at the end of the day, it takes a lot of work. So uh point I was getting to is like, taking these things to get the most out of them takes work and it takes setting the time aside. It takes, you know, for me, that was when I got out for three, I got out of special ops, moved to the Bay area. And then for three years, every two weeks on the first and 15th, like clockwork was my regimen. You know, I would prepare for a week to take, to have an experience and then I'd have the experience and then I'd integrate for a week. I'd prepare for a week, integrate for a week. During that three years, for one of those years, I was vegan. You know, I was like experimenting with that. Yeah. Um, experimenting with like four hour sleep cycles, all sorts of like radical experiments. Before that, I was like only listening to the most ignorant rap music. I was a ninth grade dropout, went to college at 16. And that was just kind of like, you know, I wasn't reading books or anything. I was just like young and having money and just being super ignorant. And you know, after those three years, like, I mean, I've read, I've listened <laughs> to hundreds of books since then. And like, you know, I've really become a much deeper thinker. I've always been me and it didn't change me. It just like brought more out of me, like my higher self and my awareness to my lower self and higher self and all these things. And uh, I think that's a lot of what it does is it raises your level of awareness. So sometimes that awareness could end up like, you know, fuck society or excuse me, <laughs> it's like, you know, for no, you're society <laughs> and you got the homeless dude in the street that's just like, you know, mad at the world. And then you mm -hmm. have people who are like, you know, you know, Elon or Steve Jobs, if you will, where they're like, you know, space. And, you know, so it's like it can I found that most people who are the studies show that like demographics are, you know, educated uh, young men, uh, like middle aged men. Um, that's why there's a lot of stories with psychology, you know, PhDs and uh, psychologists and so forth that really love diving deep into psychedelics because it takes that type of like determined, hardworking, curious individual uh, to, to keep doing the work with the substances. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, oh, that's the thing is that where when people take it sometimes, especially with LSD, when people take LSD, because it lasts so long, all the neurochemicals that are working in your brain to produce that experience, all the natural ones that are there, the the last one that's that's kind of still firing is your dopamine. So when you come from a high state of like a, a big LSD trip and you're you can't even speak in words because your prefrontal cortex is shutting down. So you're you're like your logistics and timing and all those things like, you know, the past and future become like dissolved and it's yeah. everything is hyper present. And um you know, your default mode network is shutting down. So these different areas of your brain are communicating in ways that you're not used to. So you can't speak because we speak linearly. So like when you're, again, this is like a medium or high dose of LSD. 
Um, and when you can't go from not being able to speak to like understanding all these things. And then at the end of the trip, when you're coming down, it's the, the dopamine's firing. You're able to start talking and thinking linearly again. So people, instead of letting go and continuing to let go and appreciate and just trusting your kind of biology, neurology, if you will, um, to, to kind of like hold on to that experience and make of it what your body can, the ego, the dopamine closely related to ego will say, what can I take from this experience? How can I remember this? How can I like bring this back into my life and keep this and tell other people? And that's really stressful. And so that stress at the end of a trip and that thought looping, if people can't escape that, it's nothing to be like fearful of. Mm -hmm. But if you're if you're aware that it happens and at the end of a especially LSD trip, um, if you can just know that like the it's an act of surrenderance, you're letting go, you're letting be and you're just you know, you don't have to process everything, especially at that time. You know, it could take weeks to integrate. It could take a lifetime to integrate. Yeah. Um, it's just when you see all that you can be, it can be stressful. So, you know, um, now with mushrooms, uh, I would say because you, you kind of mentioned mushrooms and there's a spectrum, I believe, of these psychedelics. You know, Ibogaine is, you know, heroin, alcohol addiction, real strong, like neurochemical dependency. And then you have like ayahuasca, which is more really used for traumatic experiences, terminal illnesses, those sorts of things. And then you get into um, mushrooms and you're kind of on the fence, like it's kind of more wellness oriented. Mm -hmm. You can go really deep with it and have the spiritual sort of experience that can help those trauma sort of things. But it's this sweet spot where most people are at is they're they're not really bad, but they're also not really optimal. And that's where mushrooms can really help because it kind of feels really wellness, like grounding. You think about a mushroom, they're kind of like wavy and like organic. And I don't know, it's just kind of rooting and at a lighter medium sort of at a medium high dose, you you could find yourself like journaling and like looking really internal, thinking yeah. about um animalistic kind of primitive sort of feelings now with lsd as you get into the, that end of the spectrum it's more like anything and everything like how am i connected with the stars like how the universe unfold and like it's this more like outward sort of uh sort of feeling mm -hmm. and um so as if people understand that there's a there's kind of like a spectrum and depending upon where you're at in life and what your intention is, is how you should navigate, you know, which substances to explore. But the easiest one for people to get, you know, comfortable is a light dose of mushrooms. They're like, wow, the colors are prettier. My peripherals, like my vision's <laughs> opened up. Like yeah. I'm not seeing purple elephants. <laughs> this isn't that bad. This is actually great. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's where that's I, that's there's a lot to unpack. Um yeah, sorry, I'm super. No, 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 no. That's fine. That's no, it's great. I love it. Um, but uh, I definitely, I, I tried mushrooms once. It was when I was a kid. I didn't know the dose. I didn't know really anything about it other than everybody else is doing it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm in. And I only did it once, and I had a great experience. It was snow. It was in Minnesota. It was snowing. I walked outside. I thought I was in a giant snow globe. Um, it was great. But as an adult, you now, are in a giant snow globe, I, <laughs> or you were. That's the crazy <laughs> thing. But um, but now as I'm older, um, a little bit more mature. But uh, I, I feel like I've, I've hit this point, and I didn't know when it was when I started thinking a little bit more deeply and a little bit more philosophically. Um, I don't know if it was the you know listening to Rogan or certain podcasts or just being knowing that. It's, 
it all will end one day. And and why not milk the most out of whatever it is I'm trying to do, learn, and, and just absorb, be a sponge as much as possible. Never, never not learn, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. how I've always tried to do with anything in life. I mean, uh, my mother has always, ever since I was a kid, she was, you always try these things and then you quit and then you try a different thing and you try to, I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed all of those things, but I was also one who wanted to try all of those things and experiment all of those things, except for really actually drugs was the only thing. Cause my father was a, uh, was a drug addict. He did, um, he actually passed away from my biological father passed away in the beginning of 2020, um, from, uh, he like hard drugs, like hard prescriptions. Drug. Or yeah, so it was a fentanyl heroin drug overdose. Drugs. Yeah, drug, drug drugs. drugs. <laughs> and and when I was a kid, I I found drugs, uh, heroin and and coke in his house and all kinds of stuff. So I I've been around it on his side for a while, which very much set a precedent for me for like that's I that's what I don't want to do. That's what I don't want to be. Um, he set a very good example for that. Um, but everything else, like I, I always wanted it's to like try. how you frame that. He said a really good example for what not <laughs> yeah, to do. Thanks, Fox. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And but what was crazy though, you talking about that was as we got older, and I maybe became a little bit more empathetic to him, um, and he kind of was just a roller coaster. Um, I saw the different levels of when he was sober, when he was high, when he was the house was a mess, and he was coked up, and and all this stuff. And, um, and some well, houses just for some houses are a mess without the Coke. I'm just going to put that out there. But the thing <laughs> is, <laughs> just, his house sorry, was ahead, always sorry. clean and smelled great. But I could tell whenever there was an issue, um, because obviously the way that he was acting and his house was a mess. So I knew that something was going on. Um, sure, yeah. but he was a veteran. He was a, he was in the Marines and he had a bunch of P, uh, PTSD and and he had some injuries while he was uh, in the service and all this stuff. And he was just loaded to the gills with prescription drugs. And then on top of that, he was also smoking and then also uh, smoking uh, marijuana, but then also had everything else under the kitchen sink that he was, you know, that he was trying. Yeah. And I, I just wish for a moment that we kind of set in, in place this whole like microdose um, with the psychedelics to, to help him out and people like him out and, and have it be regulated and, and for somebody or a doctor to be involved or just anything like that, which, which what is kind of being set in place now. Um, and, you know, I, I think about it too, like even with the podcast and because I was talking about, uh, you know, thinking a little bit more deeply and everything, it's like, I, I think about all the conversations that I wish I would have had with family members that have passed away or with, or with, um, you know, people in the sport of paintball that I wish I, I could have talked to a little bit more or, um, that I took for granted. I mean, even with the, with the, because I'm look at you now, uh, yeah, look, at, look you. at me now. <laughs> well, and even yeah. with the photo stuff that I'm doing, I, I, I so wish I would have did this when I first started doing, uh, uh, when I first started playing paintball because, um, my memory's not the greatest, and I just I want to be to be able to look back and enjoy these moments, but also be involved in the moment and not take it for granted and just be walking around. I don't want to say aimlessly, but just have only this one thing on my mind, and I'm here to win a paintball tournament, which I was, but then also just be able to step back and maybe walk a half a step slower 
and just kind of absorb as the environment and everything that's happening and be grateful a little bit more for the opportunities that have come along and the people that have come along um, in my life. And, and that's, I think that's one thing that the microdose helps me do. It helps me kind of slow down a little bit, as cliche as it sounds, smell the roses. But it, it's just, I feel like everybody could use that a little bit because I feel like everybody's so instant, everybody's so, you know, needs it now, you know, next day air, this and that, everything. And yeah. to be able, and, and, and even with entertainment or news, it's like, I mean, look at TikTok or anything. It's just constant, constant, whatever it is. Even though it's quote unquote harmless entertainment, but it's also kind of, it's taking you away from your own life. Noise. Yeah. In the background noise. And, and some people do that. I mean, they do that to kind of get away from their life, but I feel like, like meditation. Yeah, exactly. It's almost this kind of different, uh, th- this different dimension that you go to because how many times is, I, I guess I can assume that it's kind of like playing video games. You can go and you can start playing a game and it's been a half hour and then you blink and it's been three hours and you yeah. know, this time has just flown by, but it's like, I, I just don't want I don't want it to happen to me where I wake up tomorrow and it's 20 years from now and I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? I I, I let my kids do whatever they want, watch TV. And the, I mean, I don't do that, but I'm just saying in a, for other people, it's like, yeah. and I hear a lot from other people uh, that actually just at Thanksgiving, I was well, talking to my cousin and she was saying that because she runs like this um, or is a teacher at this kind of daycare uh, on the east side, which is a, a little bit lower end neighborhood. And she's like, it's they come in and they completely go crazy. They have no discipline. They have no like love at all. Mm-hmm. No, no feeling of empathy or kindness or anything like that because the parents are occupied trying to do whatever they want to do. And, mm-hmm. and, and they leave the kids to the side and it's just, it's so sad. So anyway, so what I'm trying to get to is I actually want to, I would love to hear kind of how you came about this whole thing. You said you were in the military and, and I kind of want to go into also to the connection that we have, which is paintball. Um, and obviously I, um, you know, marijuana, but then also, um, I want to talk to you too, a little bit more about, uh, the mushroom side of, of psychedelics. But before yeah. we jump into that, um, how did this whole thing kind of come about? Like, uh, we'll, we'll first go into like the paintball side on how your paintball journey started because you just, you're not some divisional player that just decided to start yeah. your own thing. I, I really want to kind of um, hear your story on on how all that developed. Okay. Um, all right, I'll answer that. Real quick, I want to <laughs> yeah. make some notes on what you just said mm-hmm. um, because um, at the end of the day, you've, you've taken agency over your life. Like you, as a little kid, you know, that maybe had parents that were distracted by the harsh world that is and trying to take care of their kids. And like, you know, life's hard. You know, if people just like let that soak in sometimes, like life's hard. Problems are, you know, people have option problems all over the place, you know, whether that's a a low level or you have a lot of money, whatever it is, people have problems. And, you know, some of those problems are just, faced as in like this external thing of these other people. And if it was like this and the other problems are like, I'm aware of my potential. I could see all these options and I have these resources, this knowledge, I have these people around me. And those are the three pillars of, I think I've made this thing up where it's like, you have this option problems, Mm -hmm. you know, I like that term. 
your your ability to realize resources, whether that's you know infrastructure, knowledge, you know funding, whatever that may be, the amount of paths forward that you can see, you know your kind of creativity, what options do you see for what paths forward do you see for yourself, and then your belief in yourself. So, um, but you've taken agency, like you you realize that you don't want these moments to just go away. And now you're taking pictures, you're capping, capturing the visual, you're taking video, visual, you're capturing audio, you're capturing like what the senses have to capture and you've put your intention into your reality, you've taken agency. And so the substance is just a tool that you have an option to that you've decided to learn about and explore. And that's like, you know, if there's people sitting there and they're thinking like, you know, I'm good, you and I are, are good, you know, what do I need THC for? That's fine and dandy. I'm not saying you have to use this tool, but it's about raising your level of awareness around how it could be used and who it could be used for. Because for some people at some point of their life, it is the option that can save them from using prescriptions. There's so many teenagers out there that break a leg or something and end up on opioids and, you know, their whole twenties are just disappeared because of that. And it's because their mom wasn't comfortable enough being like, I know the doctor said this, but I can get this, you know, him derived THC on the internet that's legal based on the 2018 farm bill, like federally, I'm allowed to have this, my, you know, you know, now kids and stuff, and I'm talking about 21 and, and older, you know, yeah. there's people within the cannabis community that do what they will if an intense medical situation comes up. But um, anyways, just to respect the fact that you took agency over your life. And there's one thing I want to say around parenting, because with, you know, now I have a back to back world champ, you know, infamous kids, uh, my oldest son. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Skylar Hazen Smith. Uh, anyways, he's 14. And I think about this, uh, and I have Asher Adelic and then Ellie. Asher is about to be 10 and Ellie just about to be two. But I think about, you've seen the thing on like hard times, uh, create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men and weak men create hard times, like the cycle. Yeah, I've heard that. And so, yeah, Josh Hallberg and I were talking the other day around parenting and we we're like, okay, so if we had hard times, and we create strong men, like hard times created the strong man that, you know, that we are, you know, mm -hmm. how do we break this cycle from us being strong men that create good times? Does that mean that we're supposed to self-inflict hard times on our kids to break the cycle from them having good times to create weak men? Because I don't want my kids to be weak. So it's right. like finding those moments to create that hardness. I think kids know that sometimes whenever it's just inflicted by a parent versus like the world's actually hard out there. Mm -hmm. Um so I don't know. I mean, in some ways, it's like, man, if your dad didn't give you those hard times, you know, how strong would you be? How much agency would you have? And I will never know the answer to that question. It's, it's a fairy tale to be like, there's this part of me that's like, I wish I had a parent that just would slap my hands and say, keep playing the piano. You're going to know when you're <laughs> yeah. older, you're going to want to know how to play the piano. Yep. Um, anyway, so let me get uh, so the paintball history. Uh, I noted it down so I wouldn't be too long-winded about it. So I'm just gonna go <laughs> You're through good. it. So You're when good. I was like ten, my mom is it. So when I was like ten, my mom got me a paintball gun because I begged her for it, and she spent whatever money she had. And like I used to ask her to like go in the yard and just shoot me, and I'd like <laughs> I just shoot in the basement, whatever. It's like, and then when I was twelve, like you know, me and my buddy, we uh, he was like, at this point, I moved around a lot, but it was in Mississippi and like out in the countryside, and you know, we were like mowing yards and doing random stuff to get some like setups, you know, some like little Titman setups. And we like shot cows and snapped behind trees and set up bunkers. I mean, man, we snapped tree to tree for like years. Like just, that's all we had yeah. <laughs> with some trees. And, uh, and then 19, I did it in the military, you know, a few times, played paintball a little bit. But when I started really competing in paintball was like when I was 22, I'm 33 now. So like 11 years ago. And uh, that was at SCP, Santa Clarita, 
Santa Clara paintball um, down in like the Bay Area. And shout out to Alex, uh, Alex Gum. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows this guy. Uh, I like you would if you saw his face, but like he was on Envious. And anyways, he taught me how Superman dive. So you know, it's my my respects are due. And then <laughs> Capital Edge, Capital Edge Paintball. Um, you know the whole family there. Um, Marv Gerber and I, and then Brian Kwan. You know some people know him as Chim, not Matt Chim, but uh, you know he really led the coaching for us all the wcppls and mike kitman you know just mike kitman and what he had going on was just so inspiring and like for the people and like if you really get into the nooks and crannies of who he is like as a human being you know there's a lot of people out there that do a lot for the sport but it's just kind of hard to know who they are but like mike kitman man he's just always been so great mm -hmm. um so i stopped playing for like five years so i was playing semi-pro with you know josh hallberg got joe barrett moved out to the west coast around that time um been challenges around a little bit what team was that that was the um that was on uh capital edge on uh, dmg dmg that's yep yep that yeah, was yeah. It. so i uh i just stopped playing to focus on business but those were like the those were the guys that you know i was like all right the dream the dream is one day you know endless paint and the dream has evolved into like you know keep getting the business bigger so there was like this five years or so that i, I stopped playing I came back a few years ago just lightly and then this past year was the first like competitive season I had in a while um you know but all along the way like Thomas Taylor here at his field here um with coach you know Pete Sigra they've built the infamous kids um you know they're the ones behind all their success and he's out there just drilling those kids and it's like if anybody hasn't been around kids in paintball to, like at that level to watch a team grow consistently every weekend mm -hmm. it's really fascinating because you know you know i know there's dynasty in their formats and as kids and so forth and a lot of us has played as kids but like to think that in my opinion i'm hoping this is the long-standing format because i you know it's for the joy of playing not the like you bring money into things and it's it complicated mm -hmm. all that stuff you know you want the sport to grow but I love this format and it's crazy to think that kids are being trained at a very high level. Like they'll still shoot you, you know, you don't sleep on them. It's oh, every yeah. time that pros come up and get shot by the kids are like, what? They're scary. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> there's a reason they're winning. Yeah. Um, okay, you know, but it's what, what's cool about it is that, you know, the kids will play games. They don't have a lot of like life stuff going on. Right. You know, so they can completely focus and they can't move around. Like before they hit their like puberty, they can't move around. So like the better ones will, will like sit there and communicate like their, their level of communication is so calm and poised and together. Mm -hmm. It is just mind blowing how, how good they can, they can communicate. And then like, you'll see some of them go through the growth spurts where like, Oh, you're getting your man muscles in, you know, like, Oh, you're taller <laughs> than me now. Yeah. And then once they start moving, like they all have to learn how to play back and together. And then as they start to move, you'll be like, okay, this guy's moving more. Cause now I can move fast. And it's just really cool to watch these dynamics of like back and communication to now being an aggressor to like finding the balance between the two mm -hmm. and um anyway so how endless pain club is you know coming to be it started from you know josh hallberg you know is on aftermath and um and at the time he was you know he's about to have his baby when he when he has baby he just set me down in like our boardroom meeting area and i'm like he's like we didn't have a talk i'm like okay what do we need to talk about like this so serious and he sits down and he's like well, you know we having the baby and all this stuff and i'm like he's like 
this year's the year. I was like, what do you mean this year's the year? He's like, well, you should, we should do the semi-pro thing that we've been talking about, start a team. I was like, okay. It was like right after, it was like right around cup and or right after cup uh, last year. And I'm like, okay, well, we got some things to do. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, we, we just worked with what we had here in the Northwest. We tried out some different people from around the country. And um, anyways, like now that we got Ben Challenger this last year, it's, you know, um, or this last event, it's, it's come together to where we really like where our team's at now. Um, but as we're trying to build out this dream, so the dream is to like, <laughs> it's to have a private field in LA that's invite only. This is like, again, this is like assuming like company gets to everywhere it needs to be. It's mm. going to get inevitably. It's just a matter of when, um, a private field that's, close to where we all live. So we all kind of want to live in like the West LA area, still have our stuff up here in the Northwest, um, like kind of like dual office living stuff, Northwest and SoCal. Have this private field invite only, have like little cabins on it so that we can invite. Cause the problems you have is like never running out of paint. And then once you never run out of paint, it's like how far do you have to travel to your field? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, how attractive is the city you live in for people the high, at the highest level to come and play? And then how can you help with some of their expenses and logistics and issues. And so it's like, if we have, you know, living quarters there that feels like this kind of cool Airbnb kind of experience in like a communal space, yeah. um, then we can invite the best teams out there. Uh, we shoot endless paint, we'll have all the best gear. And that if there's some people within our team or something that want to live there on that property, and then they can live there and they can host like these sort of, uh, really high-end bachelor parties or like weekends with friends oh, yeah. so think about all the like obnoxious money that's in la you know and i'm sure there's people <laughs> that are already thinking along this path or whatever but there's a lot of like a uh, non-sport non-competitive um, paintball in that environment so people are just seeing birthday parties and all this stuff going on yeah. we want kind of this luxury kind of high-end trained by the pros experience and so if you can get like people with influence in a city of influence like la to to come out to this and then get trained by the pros and like get like wow this is a whole world of paintball this is addicting this is mm. so much fun then you know if they could post or like share their experience with other people that they influence then more people are gonna play paintball so yep. that's kind of like our dream but now endless paint club is endless paint club is our our way of giving back um so it's just like ideally we'd be able we're just trying to find a way that people can afford more paint and so we have a product that we um you know we we do good with we're able to to give it out so for the paintball community our goal is to find you know a batch of 300 tournament paintball players um that see a benefit in you know if they have a good job it's whatever. If they're already sponsored and they've got all the paint they need, then it's whatever. But for the people just coming into the sport, maybe don't have the best job and they, and they would like a little bit of passive income. Um, that's a very hard thing to figure out for people, how to get people fairly passive income mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't feel like work. It feels like they're leading with love. You know, they, if we love paintball and if we can just try to get people exposed to, you know, our products, whether it's for themselves or for a loved one, um, then if if they can feel what we feel, like how you're saying, you know, you know, you've experienced it and you've you know helped other people experience, you hope they experience it. If if people can, if we can 
you know, they go up, they go to endlesspainclub.com and they, they sign up and, you know, they're like, what am I signing up for? How does this get me more paint? And it's like, well, it's not. Right now we're just giving you $200 worth of store credit every month for six months. And that's $1,200 worth of gummies that you can just order and you can do what you want with them. You know, mm -hmm. just as long as you don't give them to kids, everything's fine. Yeah. And we don't want people promoting to the paintball community because that's one thing we know for sure we don't want to do. Sometimes it's easier to know what you don't want than it is to know exactly what you want. Yeah. What we don't want is people in paintball trying to sell people in paintball. Are we? I don't want to sell one person one gummy with that plays paintball. I would just want to give it to you, you know, like mm -hmm. genuinely, it's just, I want to give it to you. Whether you tell a soul or not, I, I don't care, you know, but like now where we do have to care is if you want to get extra paint money every month, you know, like yeah. if you want that, then there needs to be some level of agency or engagement. And that's where if people just, you know, if they sign up and they get the gummies and they eat them or they give them their mom or their cousin or whatever, and they're like, Oh, you know, my cousin thought they were, they tasted good, whatever. But my mom, like she's sleeping better, her, her knee pain, her back pains, you know, better. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, she loves it. Okay. Then you can be like, wow, guys, you know, I really appreciate these gummies you guys gave us, you know, thanks endless paint club. You know, you know, how, how does this turn into paint? Yeah. You know, that's where phase two, it's not clear on our website. We're trying to, you know, endlesspaintclub.com. We're trying to clarify some of these things on the site and we're just, we're, we're not trying to make it perfect before we launch it and have this whole thing done from start to finish. But right now we're in phase one, you know, raise awareness. Here's what's going on. Here's our goals. Go to the site, get your free gummies. And over the next six months, just gain some experience with giving out the gummies to loved ones, eat them yourself and, and dig through our 7,000 five-star reviews and see like there's tons of people out there that it's making a difference for. And you're like, okay, now I believe in this product. Now I can tell people how they can use it, how they can benefit from it. And so phase two is where we talk to all the people that we're giving gummies away with. You know, you probably have Joe Barrett or Josh Hallberg or somebody call you and you know, say, how are you liking those gummies? And it just, they, we like to hear the feedback and we like to also educate people. And, you know, um, there's some things that may, may come up, you know, well, how do I use this? And basically there's some training. If you want to go out there and tell your mom, and you're not seeing a lot of blogs or content or clarity on how should I give this to my mom? What are some of the ins and outs of dosing and recommendations? That's where our team would then communicate with you as somebody who's been getting our gummies for free. Like we would add that extra layer of education for you to you. We'd also give you um, an affiliate code. So say, um, you know, say you, got, you get a code that's like Carl 30 or whatever. And you're like, all right, I believe in these, I have a code, this code, every dollar that ever gets anybody that purchase, say that you give it to your mom and she uses the code to buy the gummies. You're like, Hey, support my, my sponsor. I love these gummies. It could help you. You know, if you want it as an option, use my code. And it's like, Hey, you know, Hey mom, you're going to save, uh, we haven't ironed it out cause we're not at this phase yet, but it's something like, Hey mom, you're going to save 20% for life. And then you, Carl, you're going to get a third of all the money that she spends for life not just the uh, first order that's usually how discount codes work it's like the mm -hmm. first order but for the paintball community because we're really trying to aggressively you know give as much as we can it's like all right you're going to keep a third of that money and so a lot of our customers we have customers we've had for years we've got some customers that order like seniors that order ridiculous amounts um thousands of like over a thousand dollars a month you know every few months they'll do like three thousand dollar order it's yeah. crazy how some people use it 
I say this because if it, it all those numbers translate to paint money. Um, so like our average customer that's ordered with us more than one time will spend about $150, $160 every month. Um, that's about where you, you see our customers um, on average. Some will spend more, some will spend less, obviously. But so say you got 150 bucks a month that a loyal returning customer is spending for six plus months or a couple of years. That's $150. A third of that is $50 to you every month for extra paint. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get 10 of those people, you're at $500 a month. Now your mom can give it to her. I don't know. I don't know your mom at all, but like <laughs> say she's in some knitting group. She goes and yeah. tells all her knitting friends like, oh, you're feeling a little good tonight. Oh yes, yeah, these gummies. Yeah. Use my son's code. This is an this interesting is knitting pattern you're just you're making. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the whole idea is that, of course, it's going to help support the cause of our company is to make people, you know, feel inspired and, you know, um, confident about what they're taking and this act of exploring the substance, um, you know, but it also helps with our paintball team, you know, this whole like field dream and, and ology and everything and what we mm -hmm. want to do um, is, you know, it's everybody knows how hard it is to put a dollar into paintball and get even 10 cents out, you yeah. know, like, yeah, so, that's a good way, yeah. yeah, so like, um, you know, and, and shout out to everybody who's built the industry. Like, it, you know, it's so cool how you guys have done this. And it's like, it's definitely not for big money. And it, it's so yeah. admirable. Um, so I love it. But for us, you know, if, if we can help more people shoot more paint, that's going to be more people confidently telling people to play more paintball. Hey, come out with me. You know, I got some extra paint for you. Mm -hmm. And it's going to get people more excited. They're going to be more competitive. There's going to be better quality of competition at the local level. It's at the end of the day, that's the common denominator is if people can have more paint incentivized without play stressing about it, then people are going to play more paintball and everything's going to grow. Yep. So this is, uh, you know, that's kind of the whole story. And, um, you know, the, the very next step is just, you know, trying the gummies or giving it to somebody and seeing if it's a product that you can put your, you know, your word behind. Um, that's just the first step. So that's why on our Endless Paint Club, you don't see like, it's going to turn into an affiliate program because I might as well say it. Some people are like, oh, if I give it to my mom and then she gives my code to her friends, isn't that a MLM? Like, you know, Avon, people are thinking of trauma from like their girlfriend or mom being Some like, kind of I just spent our savings scheme. on yeah. this pyramid scheme. And it's like, the way that those work, you know, most people don't have to think about this stuff. It's the way that those things work is like, you know, somebody's trying to convince your wife or your girlfriend or your mom to usually just to, to spend a bunch of money on this like business kit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you, then their job is to go sell it to other And you got to buy like, in. If you get more people, you have to yeah. buy in. They have to buy in. Yep. And you're just like, okay, I can buy soap from anywhere. Why do I need to buy this soap? You know, how much better is it really? And it's $45 a bar. Why, it's why $45 a bar. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just, um, it's definitely not an MLM because yeah. there's no like, you know, we're not all going to get together and clap and like have our monthly <laughs> thing. You know, I know that uh, Joe and Josh do talk a lot around, you know, um, the, the other things that they want to do once this program is successful. You know, this may be a couple seasons from now, but at some point being able to, you know, if some of the, the guys out there that are affiliates are performing at a certain level, you know, why not, you know, fly them out or we fly out to them and give them, you know, some, you know, a, a more like in real life experience. Uh, and, and tr you know, there's some of the things that I respect anybody who has like merch, like I love fashion mm -hmm. and it's just mind blowing to me. Like when anybody does it successfully or makes something cool. So like all the merch companies within paintball, I'm just like, 
I'm a geek around fashion. Your shirt's then, on like, the way, I'm by just, the way. It's in the mail. Thank you. I, yeah, I can't. I'm a, I'm a rocket with some like, the gray stuff. Yeah, grayscale yeah. it out. Uh, I just love that it says paintball on it. You know, like any merch <laughs> I see, if it doesn't say paintball on it, like I want to see the words paintball more. Like, you know, yep. um, but yeah, so at some point we want to get our merch stepped up so we can give out stuff that says endless paint club and like we have goals and we have a lot of things that we need to do outside of these things but slowly but surely if we just you know keep matching our actions with our intention and keep connecting with people then it will build into something that that's pretty cool but um, yeah you know we got a lot of work to do for now it's simple (laughs) you just go there and sign up and we can just give you gummies and like that's that yeah so well i would love to continue working with you guys and I, I love not only the product itself because I think it's I think it's one thing to do what you guys are doing but I think you can only do that when you have um, confidence in your product and I think mm-hmm. that's that's I, I want I want to put that down there is that uh, the product itself is great it I, I love it but to also give back to the paintball community like that, I think it says a lot about your guys' character and, and what paintball means to you guys and what it has meant for you guys. And to be able to give back to the community uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the forefront of what you guys are doing is awesome. But that, that's also just a, a subcategory or a subfront for the big picture, which is also helping all those people out play paintball more. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's such a great concept and great idea. And, and it's also helping people help themselves um, and, and help others uh, with the product and, and just in general, the whole the, the tiers and everything that they're going to you guys are going to have and being able to give back um, and have people have more paint money to play more paintball. It's to dude, be, it's so to great, be- man. To be clear, nobody has to spend a dollar with us. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just to be clear, yeah. the paintball community has to spend zero dollars. There's no credit card, no nothing. Like, and I can understand the fear because, like, at the end of the day, we still have to execute all these things. We know we yeah. have a great product. We know we can give you the gummies, and we know we can do the whole affiliate tracking thing. You know, like, we've steered away from affiliate tracking in the past because people ask for a code and they'll have like 10,000 followers and they'll get like crickets mm-hmm. because they have to have, like they're a lot of those people are just trying to like oh let me make a post let me get a product and right. they're not really connecting that's why they don't have true influence and um you know i think when people connect with their family members and friends and they play paintball, which is really admirable to see a friend. Like most people aren't playing competitive sports, you know? So even mm-hmm. if you're D5, like to your friend circle, you're like, you're an athlete still, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like you you know about this world. And so it, it really does take, for this mission to work, you know, we have the tools, we have a system, we have an, an, a vision, um, but it is gonna take, you know, the actual people like doing the work of exploring and, and trying to break the ice with loved ones. Mm-hmm. It's the only way it's gonna actually work it's going to take time and um but yeah it's um yeah i gave some to my mother-in-law so I, i've all, been meaning yeah, i've been meaning to stories. ask her it's always like get moms, <laughs> yeah. moms high like i was at some festival li uh lightning in a bottle it never conflicts with the paintball schedule mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh there's a, actually there's only a handful of pros that um they go i don't know if i could just 
you'd probably guess who the culprits are. But you know, <laughs> Joe Barrett, Harrison Fry, Tim Brusselback, John. I'd Alder. be in, dude. I'd totally do. We're trying to we're trying to have like, you know, a hundred deep it, is this festival because it works out for the paintball community schedule. Mm-hmm. And Burning Man's Burning Man's really hard. So I know that some people have made their way out to there. I know I've made a couple, Jay Stu and Joe Always Barrett. Wanted but, to. Yeah, it, but like lightning in a bottle is like in SoCal. It's a perfect size, like 14,000 people. It's easy to get lost in, but also easy to refine your people in. Yeah. And like, you know, if we just keep making that grow, like that's where you want to get the first hand experience with psychedelics, you, you just go right there. And there's going to be a paintball community. <laughs> we're going to have blankets out by the speakers and we're all oh, going to be right there waiting on you. So, um, anyways, it's lightning in a bottle. I think it's <laughs> like in April, May, everybody. Um, yeah, just. Nice. Um, Anyways, but did you have some like, I know a lot of this when I came into it, you're asking kind of like about some business questions because you're an entrepreneur yourself. So, yeah, I was, I mean, how, how did you get on the direction of wanting to start your own business? I mean, you said you were in the military and then, um, after that, when okay, you came yeah. Out, so it's a, yeah, yeah, did you, did you want to, one, did you know that you wanted to become your own boss and be an entrepreneur and two, why this avenue? Um, yeah. did something, I mean, did you have an experience with this and was like, Hey man, this, yeah. this really helped me out so much where I want to help out more people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll make it, I'll attempt to make it short. So <laughs> you're good, man. You're so good. As, as a kid, you know, kids were setting up like, you know, lemonade stands across the street. You know, I set up a snow cone stand, had my mm-hmm. friends who were also like, you know, I did, I mowed the yards. I bought the lawnmower, you know, with a small loan from my grandfather of like $150. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, had kids, you know, I'd set up yards accounts in the neighborhood at like 11 or 12. And, you know, I'd have the other kids like picking the weeds and, and mowing the grass and doing the stuff. So as a kid, I've always been like that. I had four stepdads, never met my real dad and my mom's jack of all trades went to, 26 different schools before the ninth grade of dropping out. So all different types of schools too, homeschool, private school, all all things. Um, So just a wild upbringing of like, wow, um, there's a lot of adults around me and I have to decide which ones I look up to for what reasons. So Mm -hmm. this this is what I tell my kids. You have to decide who you look up to and for what reasons. And you are who you hang around. So I would have a lot of friends to where I'm like, you know, I'd meet new friends first day of school hi, nice to meet you. We're friends. Oh, I'll never see you again. So I had a lot of those. So (laughs) it's built within my identity to see that money is the game that everybody's playing. And some people don't choose to try to compete in it. They just try to go, you know, coast along. And that's the game that I realized that I'm, you know, going to have to play if I don't want money to uh, be the thing that ruins or has something. Money problems are a big stress for most people's lives. So I didn't want money to be a stressor in people's lives that that I love or that I'm associated with. So I had to be the one to take charge and be on top of the money thing. And I look at money as energy. Um, You know, you can get it from an achy place and you kind of have that that comes with it. Um, Or you can get it from a beautiful, inspiring place. Um, So the directionally, that's kind of led me in a a higher vibration direction. I didn't want to get into, for me, real estate is kind of boring. It, it, It didn't motivate me. Um, you know, stocks and all that sort of corporate stuff I didn't really like. Um, anyway, so, was, and then I, I also, so the money, and then I also knew, like, it's cool if you build a startup or a company that you can, like, you can put out an ad for who you want to hang around. I want to hang around this type of person with these types of skills, and I want to hire this, like, high-level individual. And, like, now we consider ourselves internally as unicorn hunters. You know, our job ahead is, you know, 
it's all just hiring people and team building and orchestrating that mm-hmm. and um the parallels to paintball it helps me justify and it, it's cool but um but anyways um so i just the money is the energy and the people you're around is kind of like what keeps that energy going and so I, I kind of, as I reflect, I'm like, okay, this is why I'm this person is my identity. So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I got, so at 16, I, I said I went to the, dropped down the ninth grade, second week in ninth grade, got my GED, went to college at 16. Cause I was like, if I can get some college then I'm good, you mm-hmm. know, on a resume. <laughs> and uh, so I went to college. That's when I started taking ecstasy way too young as a kid and wheeling and dealing and hustling. And I'm like, oh, I can make money this way. Cause is at 16 to get a job i had one job for like i had one day where i learned how to fold pizza boxes and then the next day i showed up and i was i didn't walk in i made it through the parking lot and i was like i'm not going in here <laughs> and that was the only job i had besides the besides the special ops so um i got arrested dui other at 16 i was at the time like in school for business i was like getting upset at the teachers because nobody nobody around me told me there's a difference in entrepreneurship school and business school. Mm. I was like, business teaches you how to work, manage within a business, but entrepreneurship is totally different. And so I was like upset with schooling and and doing drugs way too young and uh, got arrested. So I was like, get me out of this place. I was in like Mississippi at the time with my grandparents, like away from my mom. And just uh, ended up in the military. You know, it's like jailer, you know, military. And I ended up you know, getting into special ops and just, you know, I had my first kid, got married. I had my first kid at 17, Skylar. And it just kind of went through those years, you know, and I was like, my whole goal is to get out. So Mm -hmm. I I got like nine people, other people motivated to get out. Like, come on, you can chase your dreams. Don't get caught up in this loop, you know? (laughs) And uh, so I was proud of that. Got out, moved to California, um, you know, and got into you know everything within the industry from growing to extraction to brokering uh retailing everything and just navigating that space trying to you know you know i worked with chemists organic chemists chemical engineers and i have those people on my team it's you know my thumbs aren't green they're not i was not very good at growing just gonna put that out there people around me you know i knew some people that were good at it but i i was not so i just so that led me away from growing. The feedback loops were too slow. I, I'm not a farmer. Like I can't identify as a farmer. I admire that lifestyle and like yeah. my hunting stuff has got me more connected with nature. But anyways, I got into like the, the three years of psychedelics was um, in that point, there was a time where I was like so fed up with the the gray market. I was just so fed up with the industry and I felt it was so limiting and I was studying how to do, I was studying venture capital. I was studying like how to build a technology startup, um, you know, cause I was in the Bay area. I was in West Oakland, the Burning Man district and spending a lot of time in San Francisco. And that was the culture I was around. It was like Burning Man in tech and venture capital. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I wanted more than cannabis. So I was going to these festivals and I went homeless for eight months um, you know, I kind of put everything I had into this real estate education program because I thought that, you know, maybe that would be some stability mm-hmm. and, um, you know, lost it all on a risk and, uh, you know, went homeless for eight months. But I still was going to the festivals like, you know, like I couldn't afford a phone at one point, but I was like, I still need to go to these festivals because like energetically it feels right. And there is a point to where I like came to tears at a few points, just wishing that I can, this is before I studied anything about the manifestation process. 
and it boils down to like if you can feel what you want in your future then you're more like the more you can feel it the more likely you are to make it come true so like i felt it to the point without knowing that practice um to like tears i wish somebody out there some old dude out there with money with clean money from a like professional background could like just believe in me at a mm -hmm. high level for me to like take care of this and so i'm i um i was at a festival and okay so i was at a festival i was in the food court line and i was at one of the like food stands and there's a couple guys a couple girls and they're just sitting there passing time and they're like oh what are you guys doing tonight and they're like oh we're gonna eat somali whatever and go listen to this music i was like have you ever done acid or mushrooms or anything and they're like no i was like i'm gonna get you some acid so i talked to them in line and they tell me where they're camped and i was like all right within the golden hour, an hour before the sun goes down, I'm going to find your camp. And they're like, it's a yellow tent with like a flag. And like, I'm like, I'm going to try to find it. <laughs> and so at this point I go back to my camp and, um, I'm like, I have the liquid LSD and then I had these Pez, like actual Pez. And I thought it would just be like, you know, nostalgic or to pay homage to like the stories of people with like Pez, like soaked acid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I land out these 10 Pezes in my tent and I dropped the acid on there and it just doesn't soak up. And I'm like, okay, what the heck do I do now? So yeah. I spend like an hour going around the people's camps asking, do you have anything that could soak up a liquid? I get offered cookies. I'm like, those are going to crumble. Dried mangoes. I was like, that's kind of weird to yeah. do chips. Like it was a weird thing asking people in their camps. Like, do you have anything that soaks up liquid? <laughs> anything and absorbent? And it finally dawned on me. I was like, I, I can get bread. So I like stayed in my camp like, oh, no, I need to figure this out because I don't want to just give them drops and like make them feel that they have to take it from my hand right now. Right. You know, I wanted to be able to transfer it to them. And so I'm like bread. So I get this white bread and I just cut it into little squares. I go back to my my camp. I had it at the time when I left my camp. I like had it locked up in a suitcase. and was like, don't touch the suitcase because if you mm -hmm. move it. Anyways, I opened up a suitcase and I put these little squares on it. So I have these little pink pezes with acid on them with a little square, just a little bit bigger than the pez itself, like an inch by an inch or so. It's squished down on it. So I have these little pez sandwiches. I show up at their camp. I find their camp and I talk to them for like 30 minutes, the ins and out. They're asking questions. And I'm just like, you know here's lsd take it if you will and i'll check on you tomorrow i come back the next day and they're all like in love and they're just like oh my gosh this was amazing and so there's a guy within their camp that i never talked to and he's you know he's just he's just there and then he hears it i'm asking them you know they're asking where i live i'm asking where they live in west oakland we have this at a live work warehouse that i was calling like all true ventures trying to start a venture studio getting out of cannabis mind you at this time i didn't have tight dreads i had like nappy looking dreads i was wearing a bell i had like these weird <laughs> pants and a handkerchief people if they remember from paintball they remember because i was playing paintball too what was the bell and, for uh huh what the was the bell, bell? Yeah, my ranger buddy gave it to me as in like when you're really far out there on a big trip and like your reality is away, like you're floating through space. Uh -huh. That little bell can remind uh, you of where bring home's it back. at. It can it yeah, can ground sure. you. Yeah, nice. so I'd wear this bell. And uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, so we would. Um, anyways, so that guy, he uh, his name is Andrew. Uh, Andrew, and he uh, he picked up on the words I was saying and through the skies of like how I looked with holes in my shoes and total hippie, like he can tell where my heart was at and my acuity was. And, it, you know, he invited me to his wedding. There's only like 14 people at his wedding. It was there for two weeks. Well, 14 on his side mm -hmm. was Brazil. So I just met this dude and he's like picking up on venture stuff. And yeah. he made a lot of money in the early 2000s in, in, in tech. And like 
basically a couple of years of being a friendship and he knew where I was at and he was like, you know, what does it take to like, you know, what do you want to do? Just so I'm an open book. Just tell me what you want to do. And, you know, we, you know, I got my injection of, you know, my angel, my, uh, super angel investor, angel investors are typically like 10 to $50,000 checks, but a super angel, you know, you're in the hundreds of thousands. So mm -hmm. this like, uh, we hugged it out and it's been a great, he's been my mentor ever since close friend. And, but it, the, the reason of me telling you the story of like the venture, like how I got this injection of, you know, completely clean money. I put the whole, the whole gray questionable cannabis space behind me completely 100 mm -hmm. everybody i was ever connected with i was like you guys just y'all all talk together please don't contact me about anything like this ever again yeah, it's been like you know, seven years yeah it's been like seven years and it's been the best time because you know when people think about like you hear the term trap like it's a trap like the easy mm -hmm. money they call you and it's like once you escape it it's it's amazing and then you're just in another trap of your own reality but um <laughs> but uh Anyway, so uh, that was the injection. And so we went to a few more festivals together and he was like, you know, I know you want to do tech, but he's like, just if you stick with what you know and just try to find your competitive like angle, then you will, you know, like maybe there's something there because you do have a lot of experience with cannabis. So that's where I was like, okay, what's the hardest thing to do? Branding. Mm -hmm. So that now that level of mindset and ability puts me in the realm of every cannabis and hemp brand that's ever existed at the time hemp wasn't legal so it's just cannabis but branding within the cannabinoid space like very hard to do right there's so many creatives and passionate people within this space so um the first brand i thought of was lumi and this all along this time was like two years of really understanding all of the components of what makes the the active ingredients within cannabis the cannabinoids and terpenes esters ketones all these things and um just getting really heady with it uh, with organic chemists and chemical engineers and like mind you again with my ninth grade education i'm like i've hired them but i'm like yeah. learning from them and trying to surround yourself with people who are smarter than uh are better than yeah. you better than you and everything else that you can't do yeah and it's hard. It's like working with lawyers or accountants. Like there's certain ways that you have to like their mental frame is, is different. Their goals are different. So you have to know how to work with them. Yeah. And um, anyway, so branding, my, the first brand. So that's where the our company is Lumi Labs. And the first brand is Lumi. You know, the whole idea was like, you know, to illuminate life and so mm -hmm. forth. And like, it's a little cheesy, whatever, but like it's it's worked out to where it's cool. And now we don't really talk about illuminating life, but Rolls it just off is the what tongue. it is. Yeah, it's bright, colorful, happy, whatever. You know, it's great. But um, before, like, we were kind of in the cannabinoid terpene space with vapes, and Lumi was the brand. And I mean, so, like, Lumi was doing vapes. We were trying to, like, replace, give a healthy alternative to nicotine vapes by making the form factor and the dosing sort of something that wasn't as much about getting stoned as it was about replacing nicotine mm -hmm. and it just got out of that space altogether so we tested out different categories so there's a, a couple of years of the the science stuff and then a couple of years of uh product development so i mean we're launching product lines and then selling out of them and then getting rid of them forever you know so we launched um we launched vapes with batteries you know the carts and batteries then we launched these personal diffusers with like essential oils that were a lighter dose Lumi product. And then we launched hard candies. And we, so we went through this whole process of trying to find product market fit. And along that journey, um, 
that's what hint. So like before we actually started selling the first product line of vapes, um, that was right before the 2018 farm bill became legal. So it was mm -hmm. going to be a cannabis brand. And then right as we found out that hemp was legal, I'm like, wait, I can get out of all this red tape of the, you know, the, the legal cannabis market. Yeah. There's a lot of red tape, a lot of hassles. Nightmare. And yeah. So I was like, I can get into this hemp space and sell this on the internet and like compliantly bang, never touch cash. I was like, this is awesome. Let's do this. And so we we're there within two weeks with a full product line, the first two weeks of the hemp industry becoming legal. And, um, so, so we're doing well, we're, we're making new product lines. And for two years, it, um, we keep going with products, but around like two months in to hemp being legal and selling the vapes, that's when I thought of microdose. Like it took me like, I'm doing psychedelics all this time. Mm -hmm. I'm in cannabis. I'm thinking about dosing, I'm thinking about product design, formulation, all this stuff. Cause I'm actually the one designing the products. I self-taught myself how to do all of the Adobe, all that stuff because oh, the, nice. the subjective realm is the hardest to, to outsource. It takes the most time. It's the hardest to get right. And it's just the skill set you want to know how to communicate within. So I had to take it up on myself. Like this is the hard skill that I'm really going to learn. And so, you know, um, that's why I'm excited about what's to come because it's kind of like to me, it's like I don't want to design products after this for this. <laughs> I want to just repeat this for a long time. Yeah. Lumi, the gummies are working. It's amazing. Microdose gummies are great. But the new form factor of microdose is just like it's really world class. And and um, anyway, so Microdose, I was like, okay, somebody's got to have this name. And so I'm thinking, I remember there's a movie, I love movies, and I'm sitting there with my wife and we're watching this movie and like this, you know, just like, and I can't watch the movie because I'm thinking like, what's a low dose name? And it took me like, it took me over an hour to think of the word Microdose. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> there's thousands of people out here starting brands and like nobody, you know, mm -hmm. there's microdosable products, but to really own that and to make that everything that you are as a brand. Um, so now we have Lumi, Microdose and Designer Dose. Designer Dose doesn't launch, but it's like a non-THC, you know, modify your experience with uh, non-psychoactive cannabinoids like CBD, CBN, CBG. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, Microdose is our flagship brand. That's our, that's the big thing. That's the big differentiator. Lumi me could be it's an abstract name but microdose is category defining and over the next five years the u.s industry for cannabinoid sales is projected to be over 70 billion dollars anywhere between 70 and 100 billion dollars a year spent with cannabinoids in the u.s so if we can be that gateway for people trying cbd and feeling a little underwhelmed or maybe like they want to feel more but they're scared of thc um, you, know, you have CBD and then you have THC and these people, as they get more comfortable, they have to migrate. And so mm -hmm. if they can migrate these tens of billions of dollars through the category that we're defining, literally with definitions, these tiers of dosing, the incremental dose, all this sort of stuff that we're defining and our goal is to lead, um, then, you know, that's where you can, you can make a lot of money and that money can be used to circulate the story of what does inspire people, you know, think of like great commercials or just great inspiring brands. And, um, so anyways, branding is the hardest thing to do within the cannabis space. And so we tackled that and it was just really about being really intimate and passionate around like what's going to motivate me and my team and be attractive what's going to build a defendable moat around our company and so i started focusing when i found microdose i bought like 30 something domains related to microdose gummies microdose chocolate all this stuff and um and i was like okay i've, I've got these domains but i don't have microdose.com mm -hmm. and you know I, I started the trademarking we own the trademark in four categories 
four categories, the word microdose as a brand name, we have registered. That's the R, not the TM. You know, mm -hmm. you see for people that don't know that the R is actually registered. And um, so we have that in four categories. And then what I was nervous about for years was microdose.com. I was like, I don't know, somebody's sitting on this. They're waiting to sell it. They're going to lease it out. They're going to like start a bidding war. And like, I'm yeah. not ready to spend all that money. You know, <laughs> people were saying it was like half a million plus for the domain and stuff like this. And and eventually I reached this point where I was like, I, you know, we found product market fit with the gummies. It, it took a long time to figure out how to make gummies the way that we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, like really smart, competent adults working with ingredient companies. And, so, and like it, it, it was, it seems so silly because like, make a gelatin gummy you know you can watch stuff on youtube and people are making them but to make a a vegan gummy and the with the fruit juices and all the things that we do without artificial ingredients it took three of us over a year to figure that out like day in and day out it, it incredible amount of time almost an embarrassing amount of time but you know we're really happy with where we're at um anyways uh, around that time that's where i'm like okay we've launched these gummies these are working we've got a little bit more money and more team. I was like, I think it's ready. I just needed, I just need to face this animal head on and figure out if I can get microdose.com or, or if it's going to be the one thing that's leveraged against me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, you know, go through GoDaddy and there's like a broker and they don't do anything. They just, they do something. They like, yeah, we'll tell them what the deal is. Yeah. A lot of, I'm saying this story because a lot of people ask how'd you get microdose.com. And, um, a lot of people, um, so I'd like, the brokers just not really getting me thinking with a high level of confidence. They're like, Oh, they're not, they're not answering or they answered. They're not going to sell it. So I like go through and I look through the archives because people can protect who the owner is, mm -hmm. but if they ever miss a gap in ownership, like renewing their privacy thing, right. then it'll show. So like I went all the way back to like the late, like, you know, 1990s, like oh, wow. right before yeah and i find some like uh some company that that owns it some foundation is what it was and i'm like okay who's behind this foundation and it's like this you know this this older couple and um i'm like how do i get a hold of them i hope they're still alive I hope they don't have like a team of people between me and them oh, yeah. and he's like they started this foundation and so i get a hold of the guy and he's like in his 80s and he's done a lot of really noble work with, you know, foundations and charities and all this stuff. And um, he's like, he asked me my whole life story. You know, you know, you could imagine how that could be <laughs> talking to me. <laughs> and so he's asking about my military experience, what this means to me, what our goals are. Or, and I'm like, why is he asking all these questions? And he's like, because we don't need the money. He's like, we've had big pharma contact us for years trying to get this with like really big money. Mm -hmm. And we don't want it to go to big pharma. And they're like, you know, they still contact us about it. And he's like, there's been other people that contact us about it, brokers all the time. Like, this is a hot domain. Like, why do we give it to you? Mm -hmm. And I'm like letting it all out there. Just, you know, everything. This is what it means to me. And um, and so he says you can have it. He's like, all right, we'll get the domain transferred. Not have it. I had to pay a very yeah. small amount for it. Yeah. A small amount relative to the half million to millions is what oh, people yeah. were saying it could be. Um but so I get it for a relatively small amount. Like I could do this. Wow. Okay, let's go. And then, um, and uh, definitely the biggest purchase of my life at that point of life. Uh, but the he says I can have it, and then I call GoDaddy, and he's not the one that owns it. It's his like assistant that put it on his account. 
So his assistant, I'm like, oh gosh, what's going to happen next? Is there going to be some internal conflict with this? Because the dude that he had managing it was like, you know, late thirties and running this big tech company, like 80 person IT team. And like, I'm like, oh gosh, here's the beast right here. (laughs) This guy's going to crush my soul. And uh, it's a three week ordeal from start to finish. And he told me he can have it. This guy, he te- sends me, he doesn't answer my phone call, but he sends me a quick text. Like, I'm busy. I'll get back with you. I'm like, all right, this is not, this is the most stressful weeks of my life. And then like, and then, uh, you know, he's like, all right, after a while, after a few days of like stressing, he's like, he's like, all right, we'll make this happen. Like, basically I see that he's on the good side with, you know, with his older partner, which is basically like a father figure to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm like, okay, these are good signs. But then he ignores me for a week. An entire week, totally ghost. And I'm calling the, you know, the, the older gentleman back. And he's like, he actually, because he's older, and I didn't want to bother him. He's like, right. don't call me anymore. Like, my heart sank. I was like, all right, the older I will guy not said call that. you anymore. I was like, I will not call you anymore. You know, we get off the phone. The next day, I text him. <laughs> so I was like, I said, I would not call you, but I'm texting <laughs> you. I'm like, what's going on? And then, you know, he's like, we're working on it, you know, okay, thanks. I'm very short about it, you know, just, and it still matters. It's like mm-hmm. the next day or next two days, whatever it is. But, um, and then I email him, like, email this, copy, paste this over to your buddy, let him mm-hmm. know that this, how, much, how important this is. And I'm not begging. I'm just very, like, just really trying to keep a grip on myself and how much this can change everybody's life that I love. Like, right. they're just sitting on it. And he's, uh. Anyways, so the dude ignores me for a week and then he gets back with me. And then like it takes a few days from there to get all the processing done. But he talks to me for like two hours when we're just going through the processing. And, you know, there's the whole thing of like putting an escrow or just moving it to the account. And there's sure. this like trust and we make it happen. And he uh, on the phone, I'm like, so that week that you ignored me, like, did you do that intentionally? He's like, absolutely. I was like. <laughs> why are you playing with me? That was so stressful. He's like, he's like, I just wanted to see how you reacted. Like, like we don't need the money. There's all sorts of people, you know, he's like, we just wanted to see what it meant to you. And like, you know, of course he doubled the price from what the older guy said he would do. And I was like, whatever, let's make it happen. You know, he's, you know, cause, uh, Anyways, it's still incredibly fair, even though he doubled the price, incredibly fair. We don't need the money, but it's double. No, I want it because of passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like just for principle, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyway, so that's so that's where I really felt like we own this category, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being bootstrapped is like, you know, I've started to meet some, like I met the, oh, I met one of the owners of the Warriors and uh, through my new executive and he introduced me to his real estate guy. Like now I'm starting to meet some people that are like really up there in the world, Oh wow! you know, nine, 10 figure people. And like, I'm like, this is mind blowing. Like, this is awesome. You know? And uh, like just admirable and you know, their thing and my thing and everybody in this kind of venture scale of things knows that like your biggest threat is just like people that have a bunch of money that just want to try to drown you or buy you out. Mm -hmm. So that's been the whole thing is I'm not trying to build a company that I want to sell. Um, just want to build a company that, can never that will never be kilt you know it only want to be joined or acquired you know yeah if you think about the cannabis industry the johnson and johnson's of the world are just going to go on and buy the top you know five percent and then the delta of like the next ten percent and then just the rest 
So they're going to create that. I believe that they're going to create some sort of divide. They're going to buy a lot of the top brands, create some sort of divide and just kill those kind of mid-tier brands. Mm -hmm. And then just let the rest die off as they will as the industry matures. And that's like the harsh reality of how industries, especially one of this magnitude and like how many years this, you know, like think about how long alcohol has been around. This is more positive, more sustainable. It's going to be around a while. Yeah. And so the acquiring, you know, giants that are, um, well, only want to acquire. So if we build a company that's designed for people to be attracted to, to do their best work at, you know, like if we're like, you know, brands I look to is, you know, Red Bull, you know, Mudwater. Like I, I look up to some of these brands that are, um, you know, that it, it's just interesting what I can list a whole bunch of brands, but um, it just like, it's, it's just, uh, that's the hardest thing to do. And I just wanted to try the hardest thing. And that's just kind of how it's unfolded. And all the stuff we're doing now, the further and further I get, the more I realize how difficult it is. But like all those things have laid like the foundation of who I am, what energizes me, what energizes the people around me, yeah. you know, creating a defendable moat, sustainability, all these things. And uh, we are going to be with Microdose at least um, be fully sustainable um you know with the next product launch and then mm -hmm. lumi of course with the plastic jars we are taking uh steps to to make it um at least carbon neutral or positive so while there will be plastic and you can reuse those we are going to start offering post-consumer recycled refill bags and uh and then compostable refill bags as well for for microdose and everything so nice um just you know if we want to be world-class it's crazy if you think about some companies, like some tech companies, they'll hire thousands of people in like a period of a year. It's in, it's insane to think about some of these things. So to me, it's like I've put myself in a world of like it's an ongoing trip. Mm -hmm. You think about branding and the subconscious, like that's why I love film. Like, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about how much I love film. It's because they're just manipulating this whole like reality, like frame for frame by frame. Like mm -hmm. when you see bad acting or bad directing, you're like, I'm not sucked into this movie. But like for those people on that set at that time, like when it's good acting, everything's right. You're just like, you're really sucked in. You're in an alternate reality. And uh, I don't know. So it's, that keeps me going. It's like a big trip with myself. Like the whole option problems thing has come from like seeing money problems. Like there's levels to it. And it's like half world problems. People talk about first world problems. It's like once you get into like really performing, mm -hmm. you start to realize that some things are like half world problems. And you're like, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, the metaphysical. Oh, I'm going to stop talking about that stuff. But like, <laughs> you're yeah. good, dude. You're good. There's one thing I want to say. There's one thing that I, I did want to share. I have the option problems thing that, that I made up. I'm sure other people thought about it, but to me, it felt like, oh, I didn't hear anybody say that. I feel good. <laughs> and, uh, but this one, so Josh Hallberg, uh, is a, you know, core member of our startup team. He's a big motivator for the team getting started and everything. Like, um, he, I was trying to explain something to him in the car. Cause he's asking some question and I, it only kind of, the only answer is some theoretical answer. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like live theorizing, talking in loops. And uh, he, he has to run into the bank to, to do something. And it's like, he's in there for like five, 10 minutes. He comes back to the car and I'm like, I got it. It's a four part formula for everything you get out of life. Like these are the, this is how you get results is from these like four levers, these four things you have to raise your level of awareness on. And the four things are uh, pressure, desire, decision, and taste. 
So pressure is like how you internalize pressure and have a healthy relationship with pressure. These people count on me for this. I believe that I could do this. So that's, I'm going to do it. That's my potential. Um, you know, I've made these sorts of, uh, these sorts of obligations or these sorts of, um, agreements with people. Like I'm, I'm, I have this pressure and I'm internalized this way and it helps drive me. So it's like your amount of energy, mm -hmm. right? And then that amount of energy and drive from the pressure leads into how you direct it. So that's your desire, how you direct your desire. It could be one very focused, big, thick arrow, or it could be like some little side branches, or you could be like chaos where it's just all over the place. And, um, you know, so like how focused and acute are your desires how do you balance those desires so the pressure goes into desire and as you go down this desire pathway you have to make decisions and so at the top i say it's uh it's conversations and decisions related to people and numbers like that's if you think about boardroom settings when people are doing they're just having conversations making decisions mm -hmm. so but there's these micro decisions you make every day if you like get into what discipline is you realize that it's just the tiny micro decisions you make with your attention and how you place it that boils that adds up into a new habit a new routine a new identity thus a new lifestyle that looks disciplined so and so like if you're not making decisions that in and of itself is a subconscious decision it's a passive lack of decision making but that is in and of itself a decision so like raising your level of awareness on the, the decision making process is is key so and um, the last one is style so you know, some people will be like, oh, you only need three parts. I'm like, but style, like, that's what kind of gets you going. Like, that's like, you know, I'm proud of this. I don't understand how pride is a deadly sin. I can see how you can be too prideful. But anyways, mm -hmm. like, this is a tangent. But um, but on style is like, it gets your creative juices going. It helps you see more pathways, helps you realize more pressure, helps you uh, raise your level of, like, attention um, to to the decision. So the style is kind of like almost self overarching too. pizzazz, your self-awareness, just yeah. the way you prefer to do things and go about things. And I think that energy of the creative juices kind of, like, cycles back to the beginning of the pressure. You know, because like that pressure now is like framed in a different light because it has your style framed in it. And so like these four things, they like loop together. And I think, you know, our is for me, it works and our internal team, it works on like how we get results. And, you know, I think another thing we always say is everything is relative to, to time and space. So space, I think, is it's cool because it relates to like the universe and stuff. But like, you know, time is like you can think about you having a goal or you want to take an action, but if you don't make it relative to time and space, space is like that pressure thing. Mm -hmm. Space is like, what level are we talking? You know, what uh, risk profile are we talking? So like time and space, like, I don't know. There's these things are the ways that I like use to make decisions and uh, think about life and business and, you know, sports, whatever. So yeah, it's uh, obviously working. Yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah, you always want more, you know, I guess maybe, but uh, I feel the responsibility of like it's not about me wanting more, what drives me, you know, because I could be totally fine, I could sell and be as an individual fine, and some close mm -hmm. ones around me would be totally fine. But I feel a responsibility to break the ice, give people uh, a sense of confidence when they're exploring, uh, inspire people with future content we have to produce. Um, and uh, just to inspire people to actually take those steps to instill some agency in their life, understand yeah. the, the, the substance, the setting, the dose and dose, all those things, or the dose set and setting and all those things. And, um, that's what energizes me is the feeling of responsibility. 
for all the people in the country or in the world that have yet to have a psychoactive experience with something that's not a prescription, you know, alcohol or nicotine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that sense of responsibility is that, that pressure piece, you know, I could see me and myself in the small bubble, but if I think about all the people out there that have yet to be comfortable with having a psychoactive experience and then just speeding up that time scale, I believe in like general positivity and that like things will work out. But if I can kind of compress that time and make it happen faster, that's where a lot of my like, you know, you said something about life and earlier when you're, when you were talking, um, that made me think like one of the things that drives you will be thinking about death a lot, you know, Death is like leading to anxiety and OCD and, you know, then you like, maybe I need a substance, <laughs> you know, and psychedelics would be the better place to go. But then mm. once you take the psychedelics and you, then you realize that, um, that, um, or at least you don't even have to take the psychedelics, but once you kind of like cross over into the performance side of things, you could find yourself thinking that, um, that, uh, trying to remember the point I was trying to make. Um, oh, is that death, thinking of continuing to think about death, but without the reactiveness of like, okay, I have a thought about death. Instead of like thinking about how I cannot control the anxiety related to that, which could lead to OCD, it's more so using it as a tool to remind you of how precious your day-to-day -day is. Yeah. While you're motivated to do all this stuff within business, you know, how motivated am I to dedicate time to paintball, something that I enjoy and love. Yeah. And how do you make all these things like blend together as this beautiful art piece of life? And, um, you know, it's like, if you, th the more I think about death, it leads to less anxiety and OCD. It leads more into, you know, this, like, this is why time is important, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, this is why, like, I'm going to, you know, like you said, I don't want to wake up 20 years from now and be like, what happened? And, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like any, anytime I feel gross with myself is when I feel like I'm just going through the motions. The times that I feel like more bright and light is whenever like, I feel like I am being present or really engaging or thoughtful on, on a situation. And I'm trying to push that needle forward. Like, and it's funny because when you're growing and like, you're thinking like, Oh, I'm really aware and I'm, I'm making moves and, you know, I'm taking all the right actions. Your level of a, you, um, almost done. Yeah. Your level no, you're fine. You're fine. Like, yeah. You're, um, the, as you're, oh, what was I saying? The, uh, just realizing how long winded I've been. Um, <laughs> you're, good. The, uh, you're good. The, uh, yeah. When you're raising your level of awareness around, um, time you're good because our phone like calls i, I feel like I feel are like very short <laughs> our, yeah, our phone like calls are very short mm -hmm. but this is well what i like about it is that i'm getting everyone is getting a true understanding of kind of how your brain works one in having a yeah. successful business but then also kind of how not only you break down your uh your business mind but also in your personal mind and and how you can ground yourself and how you like to ground yourself but then also you're not just grounding yourself but you're also you're 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 taking into consideration everybody else's potential enjoyment in life right so yeah. it's like what's and I, and I really really like all that and I think that you taking that into consideration with this company is is huge and I think that's why I'm such a proponent for it um, is just because you have that mindset of, of giving back 
and you're not just thinking about the long term of like, yes, obviously you have to make money, but the thought of it going back to the community, the paintball community, helping people out is, is, is huge. And if you can do both, it's, it's great. Yeah. If you've, if anybody's ever had money and they go spend it on themselves, like it's funny. Cause like say you go shopping or something, there's, it's all relative. If you spend 50 bucks and you know that you kind of push your comfort zone, you may feel a little icky about it. You know, if you've mm -hmm. got millions of dollars and you spend five grand on something like that, may be your threshold where you're like, start yeah. feeling a little icky. Yeah. But like, if you're not doing all the work in the background to make sure other people are coming up with you, mm -hmm. you're just some like, like rich, gross, like to me, like person that hasn't figured out what there really is to figure out. Like they make money look bad. Like yeah. there's a lot of boring money out there and people that look like it's just bad examples. Then there's other people who are really like, the whole point of getting the money is so that you can do cool stuff with people and that people feel energized. And like, that's why I really feel that money is more of just a form of energy. It's just this tangible thing that you can trade. And, yeah. you know, when you really think about it as energy, it starts to become a lot less gross and it becomes a lot more relative to the space that you get it from. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it would be like, that's why you see like some really successful people in paintball, um, you know, the ones that are, you know, sponsoring some of the, the biggest teams, you know, it's that, you know, they realize this too, like what's life without having some fun, some joy in it, or having a sense of purpose. And, you know, for some people, the sense of purpose is being, you know, multi-planetary, you know, which is yeah. great. It's, all it's, a, it's a different, it's a different ball field. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, you know, growing the sport of paintball is like, I think that's a pretty big goal. Um, yeah. You know, and if it, everybody's trying to do it in their own way and like, you know, what are my strengths and weaknesses? And I know some of my weaknesses uh, were back. There is a point before I quit where I was frustrated with like, if we want to be professional, like, I was a bit more <laughs> juvenile and mm. immature, I guess, where I was like, we need to be eating healthier. You can't be drinking, like just projecting <laughs> all these things and like just being harsh and like hurry up. And yeah, but uh, as I've matured, I realized that like, you know, what I learned from special ops, uh, you know, in the 75th Ranger Regiment is that, you know, our motto is sua sponte. It's French for uh, lead of your own accord. So, you know, it's just, you got to lead by example. So yeah. if like you, you're leading by example by showing people in the paintball community that, you know, you can record these moments and, and capture them and share them and, and kind of expand some of these moments. Like you may take a picture of somebody's hopper or whatever, but like, I don't know when somebody sees the picture, the paint dripping, it can give them a feeling, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and the paint's dripping, you know, you, you overlook these little things, but you know, there's some, some cool shots to be taken. And, um, and this, like, you know how, like, I really appreciate this because there came a point for those three years when I would talk about psychedelics. And I mean, these are the highest growth three years of my life, um, internally and externally, but I would just, I could talk for hours around just specifically psychedelics. And I used to be way more like a, you could tell I talked about it frequently because it would be very clean and very organized <laughs> and very yeah. pointed. And I was like, wow, okay, that's sharp. I've lost a lot of that sharpness on that subject because my attention has gone into the the business and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. But now as I like, I get energized to kind of like come back to that self because over the past, you know, like four four years or so um i've been taking psychedelics a lot less um just with all the kids and the movie and the company and COVID and all that stuff is just like i like doing it with with people with a with a small group um and so 
I've just done it less, but there's, there's been this feeling of wanting to come back to that younger self with my like older self wisdom and resources and team and all this stuff mm -hmm. and to start reapplying those same principles at this current juncture. And so that means that I, I like to be able to talk about it more and I want to do it more. And, yeah. um, it's just, uh, but it's taxing, you know, to have this one-on-one -on -one conversation with so many people is like, hey, here's a recording or I talk about it. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, fortunately, Carl's asking some good questions. So, um, <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, they're all true. I mean, I, I enjoy people's stories and different perspectives and different thought processes and mindsets. So that's why I enjoy doing this is because I, I know what I do, right? I, I'm comfortable with myself and, and what and the perspectives that I have and, and how I love different thought processes and, and, and nothing that I believe in, um, or I, I say that, but I mean, I, I don't have a solid rock. Like this is, this is me. This is what I believe in. This is who I am. This is it's not open it's, enough for you. Yeah, It's not, it's, it's really like, I, that's why I like hearing everybody's perspectives and, and, and just thoughts on anything because it gives me kind of another look into something that I might be way too uh, solidified on to where I need to kind of, you know, take it back a little bit or, or, or think about it in a different way and, and yeah. perhaps do the same with the other person. But I also, you know, you don't have these experiences all the time or these conversations with people all the time, or you might, they might never happen at all. And that's why I like bringing them to light. I mean, yes, this is for people to enjoy whoever listened to it, but I feel like I get the most out of it as selfish as that yeah. sounds. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, that's, that's why I really like doing this. Um, I, and that's it, really, yeah, it's admirable. Cause to me, it seems like a live form of journaling, you know, mm -hmm. like Joe Barrett and I like sat down with Duncan Trussell, like the Duncan Trussell yeah. family hour. And we've been advertising with him for a while. And he like, He's an OG of podcasting for people that don't know. He's been I doing love it for like more than him, 12 man. years. Yeah. He's been on uh, Joe Rogan like more than 25 times or something. So anyway, mm -hmm. like, so when he looked me in the eyes, he's like, you need to start a podcast. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I got other things to do. He's like, yeah. he's like, well, you talk anyway. So why don't you just press record? And he's like, it adds some like structure to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this dude's wise, you know, because I, before that, that was like, you know, six months ago or something, but. I just started journaling. It's my number one recommendation to people. If I have yeah. psychedelics, action, all this stuff, like there's one thing you can do. Like I take notes in different forms, emails, you know, notion, and then my notepad, but there's nothing like a journal. Like yeah. it's like, it's this sacred space. And, and the day one app, I'm going to, I don't have any affiliation with them, but like the day one, I'd spend a lot of time trying to figure out which one I want to do. But the day one app, it's a little blue app with the bookmark thing. Um, I highly recommend that to people. But yesterday is one of the things that I was trying to, uh, one of the things that I put down was um, how much energy I spend trying to not come off as an asshole. Like, not that I like even like really? not trying to come off an asshole. It's like more mm -hmm. like the subconscious programming of like being genuinely nice and authentic and trying and being present with people. But when so many people want your presence it's like it's really demanding and you're like wow how do i like how how do i share you know what i want to share with people and what they're asking about but do it in this like scalable way 
And I mean, here we are with branding, but part of that branding and growth job is to start doing more PR related stuff. And like, mm -hmm. I've had a lot of internal conflict around being a solo founder. I do have a core startup team of four, which yeah. to some would, you know, um, it's, uh, it's in, is it like, as a white capitalist male with like grandiose visions like it doesn't look out from that frame it doesn't look very attractive you know like i don't i'd re i really like seeing other people grow you know and i don't have like somebody to think like who's going to ooze out all this passion you know there's a lot of people on our team that have a lot of that passion to to share and to circulate mm -hmm. and that's our culture but if i'm going to lead by example and go through the growing pains of putting myself out there this was going to be my first podcast, but I just had a first podcast two days ago because we were trying to <laughs> schedule right. and stuff. I forgive you. No, no, no. I was trying to get warmed up for you. I needed some practice. Oh, yeah. so I was like, I, I got to do it for Carl. <laughs> I, like, so, I appreciate that. Uh, so, but, but it, I don't you think know, you should put your, I, I don't think you should put, set aside your own ambitions and your, cause I, I think that's another thing that I've, I've thought about a lot too, is we should not fault ourselves, no matter skin color, um, opportunity, um, any, I mean, name an attribute. I, I don't think we should fault ourselves for having more or less ambition than the person next to us. Because I feel like when we, when we start to, um, drag ourselves down because of somebody else's, uh, per perception of us, we can't, we can't change someone else's perception of us. We can try and, and, and come across a certain way, but I feel like when, and it, it kind of, I was thinking about it when you were talking about how you, you spend a lot of energy trying not to be an asshole. Or a jerk, I would like to. Or a jerk. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, but a lot of that, a lot of that basis is off of what other people think, which you have no control over. So I think it, as long as you stay true to yourself, heart, mind, whatever it is that you want to do, where you genuinely know inside that you're not trying to hurt anybody you're not trying to to offset anything um unprovokingly or any, anything like that and you're true to yourself i think that you're you're not going to change anybody's mind or perception of you but yeah you can definitely and i think that's something that you can probably sleep at night with um because you're not going to make everybody happy you're not going to please everyone but you can do your best to try but I don't think you should think about it in wasted energy, but take that into more of of what you're doing already, right? But just set, but, set, but yeah, just kind of set that aside and be like, well, that's obviously wasted energy, so it's energy that I have. But knowing that I can't change anybody else's anything besides the people yeah. who are close to me and mean the most to me, then I can use all that energy to add on to everything else that I'm already about. Does or do it sense? in a different, exactly. No, I think that's really great advice. And, um, and that's what I'm saying is you're an example of that. Like you, like when you're at an event and you're busy taking pictures and work with the team and stuff that you probably go through this and like, you're probably not too worried about, you know, I'm coming off as a jerk, but like your internal self is like, I want to spend time with this individual right now, mm -hmm. whoever they may be, you know, they could be some like, d3 d5 whatever d5 like it doesn't matter whatever kid it is you just want to like share with them yeah. and like instead of like you've taken that internal care and like turned it into 
you know, you making decisions to like, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to actually take definitive action against this feeling and do the harder thing, the less natural thing, the more evolved thing and get some of this stuff on record. And I just think it's, it's really cool. And that's where I'm at is that my level of awareness is the pressure is hitting me because like more people are wanting to you know, talk and stuff. And like, mm-hmm. it's cool. And like my internal self wants to like, my desire has always been like, just be present. And then like when I'm faced with the harsh reality of like, I need to make the decision to like, like, you know, say that I've got somewhere else to be and that like, that I'm not going to leave them feeling like that they don't know my true self. My true self just wants to sit there and kumbaya with them, yeah. you know? And that's <laughs> yeah. where I get caught up is like, he's like, you know, so taking, doing stuff like this, it's more on the record makes me feel that I can, um, that's why I recommend books and podcasts so much. Yeah. Like people come to me and I'm like the shortest way for me to have a conversation that's really impactful is like, let me copy and paste to you this three part, uh, book, you know, these three <laughs> yeah. books that I think go in a good order together to get you this deep dive on the psychedelics. I can send that to you and you can post that somewhere, Absolutely. but like there's this, there's these three books that, that are all available on audio. And if somebody really wants to do the work of getting education on psychedelics mm-hmm. and, you know, just take these three parts, these three books and, yeah. and, and listen to them. And, uh, yeah. So that, I, I don't know. I just want to say it's admirable what you're doing. It, well, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> and I, and I think, you know, what Duncan was tra- talking about with starting a podcast, you know, I think a podcast is like, it's a pasture with, a ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Ideas are everywhere. When you have those conversations with, with people without recording, which is great. I mean, I'll have conversations all the time with people that I'll go in deep, but, but what's nice about, are you sure you're not recording every conversation <laughs> secretly <laughs> for myself, <Carl> <laughs> yeah. but I think, but what I take a podcast as that pasture with them with moving fences, right? So those fences move around. You still have those ideas, but those, those, those fences now are there and they kind of hone those ideas and they keep them in there, but there's still a viewing area meaning the listeners of the podcast can come and look at those ideas that you and maybe whoever else was on the podcast had. But without those fences, you have these ideas that kind of roam freely. And, and even if somebody else is having a conversation with you, they're, they're throwing their ideas in there, but those are also roaming freely. So now being able to do this and put those fences up, now we can share those ideas. It's like putting fucking dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Everybody can see them now, you yeah. know what I mean? So that's, I that's what I, I enjoy can't... about it. I can't recall at this moment, but do you break up your your videos into chapters to make them like easier to navigate topics? You do? I don't know. It's I, I oh, okay. always put them out there. That's and what just, I was forgetting. I didn't know yeah. if you did or didn't. Yeah, no. yeah. There's a lot of growing um, for me to do on the video side, on, on even on the audio side. That I'm I still feel new at this thing, so I'm still like I'm still learning. Well, yours is a bit. It goes. To me, it's come off as like very very flowy like uh you know i had no idea what questions you're gonna ask you know um i didn't have any so it well i had like i had two that this is also why i like doing two because it's like i had two in my mind i wanted to know your background about how this happened and then i also wanted to know about how you got into the industry itself but everything and this is how i kind of take on all the guests i usually have a, a small handful of two three questions but everything else is usually things that come to mind or things that branch off of from tangents or or just the random thoughts that come into play. Because what tends to happen is we start having the conversation and then this is this is paintball. This is the foundation of kind of where everything comes together 
And then now the seed starts to happen of the conversation and it sprouts. And then we start getting all these branches of things that we have in common that we didn't know about. Then it's the, yeah. you know, the seven degrees of te- Kevin Bacon after that. And it all comes to a point. And, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> no, it's true. It's like you're, uh, I don't know if you would say that it's kind of the whole left brain, right brain thing. I don't, is it to symbolize your kind of like uh, analytical side and then your your kind of art emotional side, like the colorful side. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, the way you're just speaking just sounds very artist of you. <laughs> the branches and the way, yeah. and it's real. It's like, it helps it sink in. It's tough too, because it's, I'm, I'm trying to, it makes sense in my head. You know what I mean? And then trying to, to, to have when, that reflect in something that's digestible. Only mushrooms once. Only once. Mushrooms once. Yeah. Uh, any other psychedelics or anything? No, Molly, just... No, just, um, let's see, I've done mushrooms once. I have, I, I, and then weed. And yeah. that's it. Plenty, and then now plenty of really smart, evolved, uh, artistic, creative people that don't do them. But uh, for me, it, it really helped because I was very analytical as a, you know, just kind of that was my natural state of being. And when I dig into psychedelics, and it was mm-hmm. a lot of going to festivals because it was who I was around. And uh, all those people were like, people dress up in theatrics and are so artists, and it's just like it's really inspiring. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, for I'm me, not it was not it. natural. No, to me, it wasn't yeah, natural. Love to, to you, you seem to have some like natural. Uh, I don't know if it's age too. Like I don't know what I would have been without it. But uh, once upon a time, somebody with a paintball. I'm not gonna say who it was. That they knew who they are. Asked me like, do you really? do you really pay this much respect to, to psychedelics? Like, cause I said like, Oh, it's like rebirthed me basically. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. And, and I like was intense. And at the time I just didn't look like I really had much together. And it's like, well, your rebirthing kind of came out as in like where you're at, you know, it's kind of what it felt like was projected on me with, with that question. And, uh, it was around the time I was quitting paintball. And so, yeah. and, uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, now here we are. Like it, it obviously, <laughs> I, I pay a lot of respect to it. But yeah, well, um, I think everything comes full circle. I think there's a reason why Joe reached out. I think there's a reason why we're having this conversation. And and I think you know to get the word out for your company, your product, what your what you plan to do for the paintball community and the players and stuff. And and I'm I'm so excited to be able to help out in that in in, in any way in any form. Um, even if it's just you know just doing this podcast or whatever it may do, I want to help you guys out. I mean, that's definitely what I do. I, I love the story and and the reasons behind it. So, I, I'm all about stuff like that, man. Well, did you? Um, yeah, I think you said you had a question around mushrooms or something. Because if you boil it down, like what I'm, <laughs> if you're trying to help me. That's what I'm trying to do. Is like, <laughs> see, like I love the hormesis vibes. Like, mm-hmm. good job, dudes. <laughs> good job. What's great? Because like the whole festival vibe. Like I was like, wow, this is this is awesome. Well, and uh, I think what got it to that point. And... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say what got it to that point though was you think of the origin though, like the origin story is like handmade, the 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 self, the 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 helping, you know, all all the, that whole origin story. And I think for me, that's what I'm attracted to for the hormesis stuff. Like, um, the, the vibe, yes, I, I enjoy all that. But also, like, the just vibe the, is the vibe because of the origin. Exactly because yeah. of the origin. Like, I don't. I'm interested in learning more about 
that journey because I know how hard fashion and art can be to sell. Mm -hmm. And I know that they've targeted a demographic that allows them to, to grow and have a support system and that help that short, that story be told, um, beyond just paintball. But man, I'm kind of really excited to see like where that can grow to beyond paintball. Cause a lot of paintball brands, they, they set up and they're, they're 100% for the sport, but that Mm -hmm. one I'm like, okay, this can go far beyond the sport. Like this oh, yeah. could be some like red, some, some uh, red carpet type vibes. Like, Definitely. so, but they've brought, it's all rooted in the same sort of principles of like, you know, explore stuff and, you know, maybe you'll feel a bit more artsy and, you know, it, I don't know. I just, I love it. So when I see, and there's other, like, if you know, you know, sort of stuff in the industry, like there's other people on the same mission. It's a bit more hush hush and, um, cause they're not, you know, because the laws are in the way, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people within the community of paintball that are already about this life. You know, it's like, this is nothing new. This is just, you know, our approach to the same mission that we already all share. It's just about keeping it kind of forefront of mind and inspiring of others to take that, those sorts of little, you know, um, those steps to, to actually explore. So, yeah. um, what's kind of holding you back from exploring more? on the psychedelic front just a lack of feeling of need like you don't need it no i would love to uh i think it's just lack of understanding the the regulation side of it maybe from the from like the lawful side of it of like the state of ohio um and you want to get locked up for life over a little bit of mushrooms i just yeah i just want to make sure that's not happening dude it's not (laughs) happening yeah (laughs) i just haven't done my research in like what can you know where can i source it at um what can i do to how do i get started in it or what is legal what's not legal that's my whole thing i just haven't taken the time to do that yet but i've always been like i would love to try it here first (laughs) time you see carl (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm I'm always always yeah well tyler dude thank you thank you so much man um i do have a couple more questions for you after this um but uh off off the cast off the podcast but dude where can people uh where can they find you where can they ask questions um and uh where can they like follow you on social medias Following me would be kind of funny because I don't have any social presence. <laughs> I really need to step it up. Um, but I mean, our sites are microdose.com. Uh, exciting stuff in Q1. That's really what I want people to see is with the new launch. But so microdose.com, Lumi, that's L-U-M-I, gummies.com. Um, those are where our products are sold if they're interested, but uh, to, to learn more about the products. But Endless Paint Club dot com is where they can go and actually sign up um to to receive that two hundred dollars in free gummies every month they just need i think in one of your ads you said that uh, they need an appa number because we used to require that for the form to fill out mm-hmm. we found out that a lot of people i think just like exit the form and forget to go back to it <laughs> so we removed the appa number so you fill out the form and then somebody's going to contact you asking you for your appa number gotcha. so all you need to do is be over 21 and um all you need to do is be over 21 and Active just promise you you're not going to sell it to other, other paintball people yeah. or, you know, try to, you know, we don't want people wasting time at paintball to talk about gummies. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a practice, if you're a tournament, 
this is not a place to be talking about gummies, you know, <laughs> like save that for like the rest of life. Well, maybe in between. Do what you will, but like, it's not, <laughs> we, we don't want you to like, that's not the purpose here, you know, yeah. it's like, it's not at all that, like that, that would make me feel a little gross if like, you got people like little unpaid sales people out there trying to sell, that's not what we're doing. Yeah. Um, anyway, so endlesspaintclub.com, you sign up and somebody will you know, contact you, ask for, for your APPA number. If you're playing, if you played a couple tournaments um, over the past year or so, you'll be qualified and, and then we'll get you the gummies. So yeah. um, very minimal qualifications needed. Um, yeah, so hopefully our ology, I think it's ology.pb or ology.pb. It's just black, our logo on Instagram. There's next to nothing there, but um Shout out to Ben Challenger. I think he's he's like, man, that dude. He loves bringing the energy, and he's 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 all about it too. So he's like, I think I can help you know get on the social stuff. So maybe there'll be more of uh, some clips and stuff. Uh, Bill Stanley and Porter Stanley have been big support of uh, of Ology coming into existence. Thomas Taylor, um, but yeah. Anyways, uh, Bill Stanley this at Cup. He got some some clips and video footage of us. Uh, so I think we'll have some stuff up on Ology page, you know, if people want to see paintball stuff. But I think that's about all the social stuff I got. You can reach out to me. Um, as soon as you see me at an event, you can ask for my phone number or whatever. Like I'm totally open to that sort of stuff. So yeah. But for now, I'll just keep it, keep it in the email. And if somebody's really <laughs> interested in talking to me, then like, you know, you can get my phone number and you hit me up. So my email is also Tyler T Y L E R at microdose.com. I've been trying to ignore my emails for a long time now but now that i'm getting more assistance i can uh <laughs> it may be a while before i hit you back but i i'm pretty i don't i think i'm pretty darn good at just getting back with people so awesome. um yeah that's how people can reach out sweet well thank you again man thank you so much for your time and uh excited to see what you guys do in the future sweet yeah thanks man awesome we'll see ya Tyler, thank you so much, man. I really, really appreciate it. It was great hearing your insight into uh, into being an entrepreneur in your paintball background and wanting to give back to the community, which is great. It's it's such a cool thing that you guys are doing, and I'm I'm happy to be a part of it and promoting it. It is awesome. <coughs> Endlesspaintclub.com. You can sign up and apply over there. Don't forget to do it. Only 300 spots open. You will get $200 a month in store credit for the next six months and see how it goes. That's really where it starts. You're getting free gummies, free stuff. Everybody likes free stuff. Check it out. Endless Paint Club. Endlesspaintclub.com. Also, big thank you to H2K Paintball. All kinds of stuff up there. We have the tank tool. We have uh, some merch up there. We have the Fenner H2KLV2. Um, yeah, all kinds of cool products coming also in the future. V2 is on its way. If you guys have any questions or any anything, go ahead, hit me up, social media, email, whatever you want to do. I'm around. I'm doing stuff. Anyway, appreciate everybody listening. Have a good time. Please do not text and drive. Keep your eyes on the road. And we'll see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.